and welcome to the Game Collection Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the many Pokemon games which we have experienced, both the good and bad. With the numerous colour titles throughout the past 20 years or so, these will no doubt be the focal point of this episode, but there will be discussion regarding games such as Snap, Stadium, Coliseum, Rumble and where we would like to see the series go in the future. Joining me, Simon Marshall, we have the Elite Four with Pixel Shark, Charlotte Murphy. Hi. Will Potter. Hello. Neil Maker. Hello. And Philip Hayton. Oh yeah. From personal experience, I am someone who has only really played the RPG-like games, which means I'll be relying on Charlotte, Will, Neil and Phil to provide their experiences of the other games. With such a wide variety of games to discuss, I wasn't really sure of the structure to this episode, but we'll see how things go. For those who follow me on Twitter, or who were aware of my work on YouTube, or for various game sites or what have you, will know that, that I recently stepped away from creating content because I felt as though it was getting in the way of some things, this podcast included. I do still intend to record this podcast on a monthly basis and hopefully we can continue to gain momentum as we get into our stride. The more time which has been freed up will hopefully allow me to play more of the games we'll be discussing on the Game Collection podcast. So to kick things off and in time honoured tradition we'll start off with the positives from the Pokemon series. We'll go to Charlotte first who wishes to discuss how the main Pokemon series is able to accommodate all levels of gamers. With the whole Pokemon series, obviously you have a very easy way to get in for a new gamer. If you have, if you just jump into any of any of the games, you don't need to have played the previous ones, so that accommodates a very casual gamer that wants to pick up and play. And then you can accommodate the more experienced players that want to get into get into anything a little bit more hardcore. With like the EV training, with the competitions, and all that sort of thing. So it does encompass like a whole range of like gaming interests. Basically, from my my personal point of view, I know I said in the intro, um, I've only really came to the Pokemon series as sort of it's it's a game I've played ever since I was really young. But I wouldn't consider myself an RPG player. I mean, I, I I'm not really a fan of fantasy in games like the traditional RPGs you get, like Skyrim or what have you. Mm. And I mean, in numerous games such as Bloodborne and Mass Effect, role-playing is a, it's a huge part of the experience. But much like Pokemon, these games are made for both fans of RPGs and those who want a solid gameplay experience. Um, so I just want to see what everybody else thinks in terms of how, how easy it was for everyone to kind of get access into the Pokemon series. I think it depends where everyone starts as well. Yeah, did, did everyone, sorry, um, come into this sort of at a younger age, maybe the late 90s, or is it a more recent thing, or what have you? I mean, I, I think we're all around about the same age. Yeah, I started yeah. with uh, Pokemon Blue, and I remember the actual moment that I was introduced to Pokemon, and it was uh, a friend in school. You know we had to do show and tell at school? Yeah. And uh, he came in and he was showing us an episode of Pokemon. And I was like, what is this? I thought it was hilarious. Went home, watched it. And then obviously the next thing to do is get the game. And then it was just a phenomenon back in, what, 98, was it? 98, 99? 
you couldn't go to school. You couldn't be a, a, a child at that age and not know what Pokemon was and not be into it. It was just everywhere. Um, so I've been playing them ever since. Yeah, I remember when I was introduced, I was on holiday in Spain and I was introduced to the uh, game series before the anime or like the cartoon, whatever. And I met a kid on holiday and he had a Game Boy Color. And at the time, I didn't have a Game Boy. And he was like, you need to check this out. This game's fantastic. And so I did. And then the next day I was like, mom, we need to go to the shop. I need to buy a Game Boy Color. I need to buy Pokemon like right now. And so I bought both red and blue because I'm a spoiled brat. Well, that's um, I also had uh, Pokemon Red and Blue um, when I was younger, but I never had a Game Boy Color, so I only ever played them in the the traditional Game Boy, the classic, because um, that was the the first game console that I actually owned on my own. I mean, me and my brother shared a, a Mega Drive and what have you, but in terms of my first console. It was the Game Boy, and I mean, this these games defined my experience on there because I would spend hours, drain many batteries, um, just making my way through these games. Yeah, I'm exactly the same as you, Simon. There, the blue was definitely my first, but I was probably introduced in a in a completely different way. I still remember the the, the time I was introduced, and it was um, my auntie's like 40th birthday. We we're at a restaurant, and the roof caught fire of the restaurant. So I needed to, we had to go back to my other aunties and my cousin was there and he was like, check out this game I've got on the computer. And it was an, an emulated version of Pokemon Yellow in Japanese. And we were just like, this is a, what, what is this? Do we even know what it, we couldn't even, you know, had no idea what it was. And then I remember the following uh, Christmas about two months later, I get Pokemon Blue, um, which was probably like the second game I'd have for my Game Boy which again was my first console, so that was pretty much the only game I played, I think, until I actually got something like a PS1, like five years later. It, it's a phenomenal game. I played it too much, too much. Many no, batteries so died much. played. Many batteries died in the uh, my enjoyment <laughs> of that. Uh, Phil, what about you? How did you get into Pokemon? Um, well, I used to do this thing when I was younger where I'd go to stay at my cousin's house and uh, feed all these games. So um, I actually stole his copy of Pokemon Blue and I kept on it for a good while. And eventually he realised that I stole it and erased all his Pokemon and done my own thing and got it taken back off me. And it wasn't until Pokemon Yellow... I don't know if Pokemon Yellow was out already, but I got it for the Christmas sort of just after that so that was the only game I've actually owned for the original Game Boy era was the yellow one um, but I, uh, from there it was just a mixture of playing the original game and watching the original series and the trading cards as well I know we're obviously speaking about kind of our past experiences here and I'm sure we'll touch on more about the n- nostalgia um, later on in this episode but maybe going back to what uh, Charlotte was talking about um, and maybe my earlier points as well about RPGs, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm not an RPG player, or I wouldn't consider myself to be, I've never thoroughly played through a, a traditional JRPG because I felt as if they've never been for me but with with this podcast um, I'll be looking to sort of expand my horizons um, for lack of a better term and one thing which I, I think helps keep the players invested in Pokemon is that the games seem a great deal shorter um, because you always know what your next stage is. 
Like, you know you've got to beat the all the gym leaders. You know you've got to beat the Elite Four. Um, and it's easy, very easy to get lost in Pokemon and plough hundreds of hours into one save. But it gives you that option of just taking it at face value where you just say, I'm going to complete it, no problem. Or you're going to complete it fully in the sense that you're going to collect every single Pokemon. You're going to master um, everything there is. You're going to become a champion online or what have you. I mean, there's just so so much that these games can offer in terms of the main series of games anyway. Totally agree there. And uh, I was just, before we started recording, looking at my uh, Pokemon Y save file. And uh, I'd only got three badges, but I'd already spent like 22 hours on it. <laughs> Those games. Because oh, yeah. you kind I... of have this idea in your head that like, okay, it's not going to take that long to get all eight badges. But, you know, I've already done 20 hours and only three down, so... I get sucked in so badly as well. I think I tweeted out the other day that I restarted... It was either Alpha Sapphire or Pokemon X, and I can't remember which one which one it was, but before the first gym, I just completed the first gym and I had 15 hours Oof. in the game. I have, no, I have no idea how. I literally have no idea how I managed to clock 15 hours before I hit a gym. How many how many ratatas would you have to have fought in that time? I mean, th- those are the only Pokemon you come across. None, because you don't come across Ratata at the beginning of Alpha Sapphire and X. Oh, lucky how many zigzagging died? There you go. Yeah, <laughs> many, many zigzagging <laughs> died. Just obviously developing on what Charlotte's saying. I mean, we've got Phil um, in the show notes here. You've got that you really like how it's an easy to access RPG, which promoted the genre in the West. And then obviously we've got Will as well who said how the series managed to sneak in an in-depth JRPG into the hands of millions and obviously the hidden stats with the EV training, which I'm sure we'll come on to uh, later on. It gives you that platform to sink hundreds of hours into this game. So if either of you two want to sort of develop on those points. Well, I think um, like Pokemon is a traditional JRPG and... I know that when I was picking up Pokemon, I had no idea what that was. And it, you know, you're a character and you have a party and you are leveling up and taking part in turn-based battles, um, which obviously had been done before in games, but it was packaged in a way that it kind of snuck its way over here from Japan. Um, people kind of, it, it, it kind of uh, resonated with people, with kids. And like, how many, how many kids... Um, how many of us kind of grew up and then went on to play Final Fantasy games and other JRPGs? It's kind of that was probably one of the, our first JRPGs, I imagine. Um, and it's actually a fairly complex game when you think about it. When you look into like all the hidden stats, like effort values, um, and thinking that it was you know mainly popular back in the day with like eight or nine year olds um, to shove this this really complex role-playing game into their hands and it just took off like wildfire um it was really surprising but i think that probably laid the groundwork for you know years to come with jrpgs being successful over here yeah i definitely agree because i mean i started off like taking my personal experience i started off playing pokemon ended up in final fantasy and that's basically my thing now jrpgs and whatnot so yeah i think definitely having the Pokemon series come over and introduce me, like personally, to the JRPG series definitely got me into that vein of games instead of, I don't know, platformers or shooters or something else. 
Because what else was there on the Game Boy at the time? It was Tetris, Mario, Mario like platformers. Rayman. Or... Well, thing is, uh, Final Fantasy had tried to bring RPGs over here before uh, Pokemon really emerged, I think. So you had mm. the likes of uh, Mystic Quest, which mm. didn't really take as well over here. I think they were trying to dumb it down a little bit, but it didn't really work out for them. And then all of a sudden, a couple of years later, Pokemon emerges, and it, it sort of, it, you're right in what you're saying, it really did sneak over here in the sort of disguise of a collectible sort of game. So I think you've got that addiction of, oh, I need to collect all 150 Pokemon. It sort of motivates you to then interact with the RPG elements of a game. So you don't even know you're really, you know, playing an RPG, you're really just aiming to collect all these Pokemon and trade and before you know it you've got used to some really quite strange mechanics for the time where people weren't used to like leveling up systems and stat systems and they were used to jumping on Goombas so it really did sort of help bring RPGs over here. And it wasn't just the game was it? It was it was a movie, a TV show, a yep. card collection, it was toys, it was this like multimedia kind of frenzy and it really helped actually like watching the anime you'd learn the characters you'd learn the general gist of the pokemon concept and that would translate into the games and it would translate into the card game so it was very easy to pick up it wasn't just you were being yeah. dumped in this this jrpg world with no kind of familiar characters or anything because you'd see ash and pikachu on the tv and you'd have the card game and it would be everywhere you went and it would kind of help to kind of embed it into western culture this very japanese game that might not have been successful if it hadn't been for kind of you know if it hadn't come over on a tidal wave from japan because it was obviously super popular there but if it hadn't had that then maybe it wouldn't have resonated as well as it did i think that's a great point will that you've raised um maybe just there about ash and pikachu i mean I don't think there was a child alive that actually who watched Pokemon who didn't want to be Ash or maybe even <laughs> th- thought that they weren't Ash because when Pokemon Yellow came out, I, j- I just remember having Pikachu by my side constantly following you around and it was that sort of you were imagining that you were Ash or you wanted to be Misty or you wanted to be Brock. I mean, there was there was so so many children watching at that time that it was it was just an amazing feeling to kind of catch Pokemon on your own and have that experience that you're watching on the TV or in the movies or what have you. Um, And it just sort of exploded from there. And I mean, it's just, uh, even to this day, it's still incredible. Which maybe takes us on to the next point, um, segue right into that. And Will, we'll go back to you. Um, You want to discuss the nostalgic feeling of the Pokemon games and what they offer nearly 20 years after they were released. I mean, I can probably only think of one other thing that kind of makes me all kind of nostalgic as much as Pokemon does, and that's Star Wars. But, like, these are two two major highlights from my childhood that even now when I look back at them or if I dip into, you know, the current iteration, it's like... Oh, it just brings back so many memories, and just that definitely defined a large chunk of my childhood. And obviously, Nintendo and Game Freak know this, and they are still kind of, you know, putting the, those same old characters out there, but kind of constantly developing on that. Um, and it was actually because of this, like a couple of years ago, I um, I picked up a pack of Pokemon cards just out of curiosity because I was like, I used to collect these as a kid, and they're about four quid a packet now, which is a bit expensive, but I'll. I'll have a look at one just out of curiosity. 
and then very soon afterwards I seemed to have a problem of keep Again. buying Pokemon cards and <laughs> I got really deeply into it for another couple of years so yeah it's just you know I think a lot of a lot of our our happiness can be kind of brought from nostalgia I think it's a very easy way to tap into something we really enjoyed years ago when we were kids and then kind of kind of regurgitate that to kind of bring us joy today um, and Pokemon is something that kind of taps into that very well because every single game while it brings in new characters it's always go, you know going back to the old ones and especially with like um i think it was x and y wasn't it where they brought in mega evolutions mm-hmm. and it was basically yeah. making all of your favorite pokemon as a kid making them badass with like mega evolutions and giving them extra claws and blastoise has got a new gun on his back and it's made it really cool and it's obviously a throwback to everyone who played red and blue as a kid and now they're getting these new evolutions of their favorite pokemon so i think it's very clever that nintendo kind of can can still kind of make that fresh today um so yeah that's why i i always go back to pokemon like it's it's almost like guaranteed guaranteed enjoyment from a game isn't it yeah and i mean like everyone here obviously grew up with pokemon so we've all started with red blue and yellow and to us as we've grown, the series has also grown, and I love that. It's like someone coming into the series now would just be like, oh, it's Pokemon, this is awesome. But like to us, the series has evolved as we've gotten older as well. So it's so nice to be able to go, oh, well, in my day, you know, we, ha- we had this, and now you've got an easy sort of thing. But it's just so nice to see how this series is just kind of adapting to, like, the same audience but also incorporating a newer audience and just love it oh well with every every game that comes out it sweeps in a new generation of kids doesn't it yeah yeah because it's quite good as well that they don't overdo it if that makes sense it's not a yearly release i mean there's probably what anything between three and five years between each of the main series iterations that come in which is good as well because that is when you do bring in the new because I mean, if it's 20 years now so, and there's five sets, yeah, actually, looking at, on average, every four years, there's been a new set. So that's, it's, it never repeats itself, and every game does always feel new. I think nostalgic um, is the key word. Um, definitely what, what I would use to describe the series, because no matter what age you are or what you do in life, people still enjoy hearing about Pokemon to this day. Um, I mean, people on Facebook who aren't gamers per se, but love hearing or seeing uh, people discuss Pokemon. Compared to other gaming series, this seems to hit home um, with so many people just because of how accessible it is. And it was almost 20 years ago, and yet it still holds a place in the hearts of many. I mean, there's that's people's childhoods, um, no matter what they're doing these days, no matter what hand they've been dealt in life. I mean, you could discuss Pokemon until the, the cows come home, and they'll still talk about Pikachu, Ash what have you, people want to listen to that, so I think that's why it's managed to stand the test of time, because there's so many other things, if you look at maybe, if we're talking about RPGs for instance, like Final Fantasy, although I'm not a huge Final Fantasy fan in the slightest, it seems as if the series has kind of tailed off a bit, but with Pokemon it's it's fair enough they're sometimes re-releasing games that they release, like Ruby and Sapphire, but people just love hearing about Pokemon, and it's it's always a great talking uh, subject, no matter no matter who the people are you're talking to. Even the remakes make a t- 
ton of money yep. and they, they do a ton of sales. So, I mean, that's that's the added nostalgia, isn't it? Yeah, you play a main series game. Two years later, you're like, oh, my God, that game I used to play 15 years ago is out again, and now I can play it right now again on my new 3DS. Yeah. <laughs> I got supremely excited with the Alpha uh, and Omega release. But, like, with the whole different age groups thing, just going back to that and just being able to talk with other people, like... One of my colleagues at work has joined the same age as me. All we talk about all day is Pokemon. My best friend's son is seven. All we talk about is Pokemon. <laughs> it's like you, you can cover like such a wide range of age groups. And the second that someone likes Pokemon, it's never, it's never oh, yeah, well, you know, I know what Pokemon is. That, that's kind of a thing. It's always, oh, yeah, you play? You know, who was your start of Pokemon? What version are you playing? What are you playing on? Can I have your friend code sort of thing? It's it's never just like a subtle interest. It's always something that they're really interested in or they've just heard it in passing and it's not their thing. Like It's like Marmite. You either love it or hate it sort of thing. Here's a question um, for everyone. Did Have you all played Pokemon right the way through um, from probably the late 90s, um, mid to late 90s until right now? Or have you taken a break from it at all? Or did things pass you by or what have you? What's what's kind of your situation with Pokemon? If I have taken a break from it, then I have picked up the game later and played it. So even though I might have missed it on its release, it's not long till I have to actually just go and buy it and play it and see what it's all about. Um, I did that with the DS ones, actually. I never really played like Diamond and stuff, uh, but recently I've... Well, not recently, it was about a year ago, I picked up a copy and kept it in the car with my DS so that it gives me an excuse to sort of go back to that. Um, but it is kind of like that. You'll sometimes think, oh, I've still got a Pokemon game in the house I'm playing just now, and you'll not really pick up the, the newest one. It seems as if they're coming out a lot faster as well than what they used to. Um, I don't know if that's just me. But... No, it is. Um, the di- the time between X and Y and Black 2 and White 2 was only a year. Yeah, so that sort of put me off playing them right away. I sort of just held off and then picked them up later. Ruby and Sapphire, those were only a year after X and Y as well, weren't they? Yeah, but I guess we can kind of forgive it because it's a remake. I'm just thinking that there's uh, one of my friends who we'll probably hear from later on in the, the correspondence. He's a huge Pokemon fan, but he's sort of disappointed that there's no Pokemon game been uh, unveiled for this year. Obviously, well, E3's E3 round the corner. E3's obviously round the corner, and it may still happen, but at this I, point... We'll see something there, because February next year is the 20th anniversary. So if there's nothing released for the 20th anniversary, there'll be something announced on the 20th anniversary. So, But it goes back to that thing. Although they are amazing games, like that, you, you don't want too many too quickly, yep. to be fair. Yeah, and also they did just kind of release the po- uh, announce the Pokken tournament recently, so I guess they'll be expanding on that series as well at some point. Who knows? They may announce that um, that Google April Fools they did last year. Um, that was the, epic. That was epic. You're right. That was right. amazing. If, if only that was true. <laughs> right. I think going back to I mean to, to tie it in with the other question that you just made about taking a break and everything like that. So mm-hmm. I mean I remember. Uh, gold, silver, crystal. I remember 
playing that to death, putting it down. And then it got to the time where I was sort of going through GCSEs and everything like that in college. And I did just completely forget about it. I used to go back to the Game Boy now and again. Um, but it was I didn't pick it back up again until um, the announcement for Black and White was made. And I think what made me more interested in that was that it was almost like starting afresh again because Black and White introduced you to 150 or 151, however many it was, brand new Pokemon. And that was all you got before the Elite Four. So it was... You know, the nostalgia of starting not knowing anything like it was when I picked up Blue Red for the first time got me straight back into it. And then obviously you play that, you fall in love, and then you're like, hang on a minute, I've missed uh, two generations of games here. Um, completely ignored the Game Boy Advance ones, but then jumped straight into Diamond and Pearl. And I'll, that had me then hooked again. And then I think I'll come on to it later on. But the, the next thing that got me caught is it in that box for black and white too it had a thing for video game championship series and i was like wait so i can play this competitively as well as well as sort of all the nostalgia from what i'm used to it's like i could pick up something i was when i was nine and now play it competitively i've Even... played i've played it straight the way through from the second that i bought red and blue i've never taken a break from pokemon i've bought it immediately on release and played it on and off until the next one's come out I kind of dipped in and out, I guess. Like, I'd always get the main ones, because the series kind of follows a bit of a pattern now, doesn't it? So they'll release, like, a main game, and then they'll do, like, uh, like a uh, like a Platinum or a um, Crystal, and then they might do a remake. So I've kind of missed out on, like, the Platinums, the Crystals, and, you know, I, I haven't picked up a couple of the remakes, but I kind of tried to get into the main big releases, because they seem to be the, the real ones where they put all of the, the change and... Um, the most kind of new features like X and Y was the first game that went like almost fully 3D, wasn't it? And that was like a real step forwards. That was amazing. So kind of, yeah, yeah, it was. A, it's it's it was nearly at that point where it's like the perfect Pokemon game that we've all been dreaming for, like a, a home console um, full kind of 3D adventure. It's not quite there yet, but so yeah, I kind of dipped in and out. And I do find though that as the years go by, I seem to spend less hours on each game, like. I was saying I've spent about 22 hours on X and Y. Like before that, I might have spent 30 hours. But back in the day on Red and Blue, it's probably nearly 100. So I seem to be like playing them less, but I'm still kind of getting as much out of them. I just seem to run out of steam quicker. <laughs> but that's probably just my <laughs> own personal kind of experience mm-hmm. with the games. Yeah, my my hours put into Pokemon is probably disgusting. I actually lost a copy of Pokemon to not last Christmas, Christmas before. That copy that I lost, I had 350 hours in it. Ooh. Bought it again, put 200 hours into it, lost that one. You need to start looking <laughs> after your games a bit better. <laughs> I, tra- I travel a lot because I go back to England a lot. So what ended up happening was that while getting on like a train or a plane or something, or like moving transport, my case slipped out of my bag. And I don't think that my boyfriend has ever seen me heartbroken in my whole life. Like, my face after going, oh my god, three, 500 hours of Pokemon I've just lost. It's like, I don't care how much it cost me, sort of thing. 500 hours of Pokemon lost and a pretty complete Pokedex. That's actually heartbreaking. I, I can't say I would know that pain myself, but I, I can only imagine. That would be horrible. Has anyone had their um, battery die? Yeah, I was just about to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I just recently replaced the one in my Pokemon Yellow and soldered it back together. Um, and it brought me so much joy, the fact that it was working again, because for a while it was just completely dead. Could not like, get it on at all. It would start up and then it would crash. I'm guessing that was to do with the battery as well. But there was no save files. It wouldn't pick them up at all. So sort of resurrected that. Going back to my sort of question um, about taking a break or what have you, I feel as if I'm the, the odd one out here because I probably played up until, I think, Gold, looking at my sort of Game Boy uh, cartridge collection. It's the last one I have um, of the original Game Boy games. And then I probably didn't play a game until... Maybe until X and Y was coming out, around about that time. So that's obviously a huge gap in terms of games being released within that time. I mean, you're lo- looking at numerous titles... In, in preparation for this show, I've I've been playing White, obviously for the Nintendo DS, but I'm not sure, like, I, I came back into X and Y, and I'm seeing these Pokemon, it's like, there's Trubbish, who's like a garbage bag, <laughs> you've got, I can't Literally remember, what, rubbish. yes, um, you've got like an ice cream cone, Clef Key's my favourite, I was going to say Clef Key, I was going to say Clef Key, um, as well, and I'm just like, what? What is this? Like... But saying that, in the first game, you had Execute. Yep. <laughs> and you had Grimer, which is just basically a puddle of goop. So I guess I guess it's not like changed. I don't know though. Much. I think they were but more there's obscure. There's definitely more. <laughs> there's definitely more like I don't know. I don't want to call them like rubbish Pokemon. <laughs> but, you know le- le- I mean. lesser Pokemon. It just reminds me of the South Park um, piss take that they done where it what uh, was it called Pokemon. Team yeah. Pokemon with boot. <laughs> um, right, I'm sure we'll come on to more about the Pokemon themselves um, in a little bit. But the next major like we have from our panel comes from Phil, who wishes to discuss the social interaction which comes from the various Pokemon games. I think it just it became a little bit of an event when you discovered that all your friends had uh, Pokemon games on the Game Boy and that one of you had a link cable. And you'd be all sit around each other and trade Pokemon. And then later on as well, you for the SP, you got the wireless one, which was... I had that as well, and we used to trade with my cousin. But it, it sort of just added that sort of... Uh, almost like the trading cards, but in sort of game forum, where you would uh, sit down and actually discuss what Pokemon you had, trade them, try and find Pokemon so you could show them to your friends. It sort of just... Instead of being a sort of closed off thing. considering it's a portable game on a handheld system they're usually not the type of games you play with friends because it's not as if you're all gathered around the tv uh it sort of just added a new social interaction aspect of it to for me at least because you could like so because it was as if pokemon were physical items you could trade them you could name them you could it was almost just like having trading cards you know it just i found that really interesting about pokemon that it's almost like before all the Skylanders nonsense came out, it was almost like that. Um, and it obviously generated a lot of money for the Pokemon company, um, but it was because you, it became a collectible, if you get what I mean. I know Will spoke about earlier about obviously getting back into the, the Pokemon card game. Now, did everyone else here have a certain point of time where they were actually collecting the cards, trading the cards at school? Because personally, I remember spending lunch times, intervals, what have you, just trading Pokemon cards, and if you had a shiny or a rare, it was just incredible. Like, you would just want to see what your friends had. 
And obviously with with the game and the trading thing with the the system link and what have you, that was just the next step up from that. So is was everyone familiar with the card game at, at school and things like that, or is it something you've kind of avoided? I used to have tons yeah. of them. Yeah. Uh, it was funny though because there was a huge circuit of fake Pokemon cards when I was at school mm-hmm. because of the local market, uh, Wisher Market. I was going uh, to say that I, I actually remember the Wisher Market. Um, of, for those who don't know, me and Phil are from around the same area, and the Wisher Market was this market where you would get cheap knockoff games for like five pounds, copied games for the PS One, um, which obviously was infamous for that. And there was a Pokemon stand um, stall where it would be like the wooden tables you get for sort of like uh, wallpaper, like wallpaper paste you would put on to like straighten out your wallpaper. Folk would put Pokemon cards down on them and like obviously they were all fake um, just because obviously they knew how much hype was behind Pokemon. So Phil, just you saying that, it's just just reminding me there. I just but... I always remember one of the Pokemon cards that one of my friends had was it was supposed to be a shiny and in, uh, inverted commas. <laughs> it was basically instead of being a picture of the Pokemon, it was this really awkward pixelated picture of Pikachu from the anime. It was as if they had taken a screenshot of the actual anime and just stuck it straight on a card and. I, can, I always remember looking at its abilities and each HP, and it was just totally off. It was like it was like the same level as one of the strongest Pokemon, and it was <laughs> it was the most fake thing you'd ever saw in your life. And this guy was trying to trade basically your best cards for this daft fake card he picked up from Wisher Market for ninety pence or something like that. I thought you were going to say that the shiny was like tinfoil. It was. Like oh, it was. It was coming at the corners. You could always tell because it would kind of come loose. Um, oh, and you could dear. see just this sort of really cheap, sparkly paper that was sort of like ironed on. I don't even know how you'd go about making a shiny card, but you could tell a mile off. They were really, really strange looking. In fact, there was some of them that weren't even the same size as normal cards. They were about a couple of millimetre off, and it just looked very strange. I always wondered why, if you're going to bother making a fake card, why didn't you actually make it look like the real thing instead of making it obviously ridiculous that no one would believe it's real this is like the fake pokemon games as well because if you go on uh, ebay just now and you mm. type in game boy pokemon you'll find like loads of these cartridges and they say like pokemon special jade version and it's like something that's not even a pokemon on the front of it and then a really pixelated picture of ash's face like blown up in the background <laughs> and, they, and they'll put in the description ultra rare pokemon game and try to charge you about six pound or something for it <laughs> it's just it, why don't they make them look convincing? There's actually know. a store here that sells like secondhand Game Boy games, and there is actually a pile of fake Pokemon games in there. Yeah, the sad thing about it was in the UK. I think Game Station, when it was still open, which was quite a popular brand of uh, game shops, they actually accepted trade-ins of fake Pokemon games. I don't know. I don't think they were aware that they were fake. <laughs> so I remember I was going in there and just seeing tons of the fake cartridges you can always tell because they've not got the nintendo logo and things on them some of them were a little bit convincing but they're the type of cartridges the battery would go quick on them and it's just a shame how how many fakes there is out there and they don't seem to ever go away either actually come to think of it just going back to the uh playground experience i can tell you about my best day ever at school and uh my uncle had just come back from a business trip in Japan and uh, he had heard us into these Pokemon things. Um, 
and uh, he had found he'd been to like the Japan Center, the uh, Pokemon Center or something. They brought me back the um, gold and silver Pokemon cards. So this was before gold and silver had hit the UK. Um, so nobody's seen these brand new Pokemon. And I remember coming to school with these new Pokemon cards and having swarms of children. I was a child too at the time. <laughs> the record, uh, swarming around me. And I was the coolest kid in school. Um, unfortunately, just for that one day. But uh, it was the best thing. Just that social interaction at school because of Pokemon is brilliant. Guys, I'm so cool. I like Pokemon. And then now it's, oh, you like Pokemon? We should what? put you on a list. Pokemon cards in our school were banned. Yeah, um, yeah I think that, that happened at our school as well. Yeah, as as got banned fairly quickly because it was a case of everyone would just be like, oh, we should be going to class now. How about no? Let's just sit in the playground and finish our battle. So they got they got banned real quick. I always remember at school. Um, I think we were, after Pokemon was starting to become uncool. And I can remember I was still really into it, and I, I was a really, really, really nerdy kid, and I went to one of the indoor markets in Wisha, and they had loads of Pokemon figures for, like, a pound per pack, and I bought tons of them and brought them into school, and I got basically ripped to pieces for it. I had tons of these Pokemon figures, and I was dead chuffed with myself, and everyone else was getting into, like, other things, and they just couldn't believe that I was still into Pokemon. <laughs> it sort of faded away in my, my class, but... Yeah, I was happy with them. Pound each. It was great. Uh, Neil, what about you? Were you into the card game as well? Yeah, but but not much, to be honest. I think it was just the case. I think my, my brother got into it a bit more. I was more into the video games. So, you know, what parents are like, they buy the same for, for each person. So, <laughs> so I had some, but I didn't really collect them. I sort of took them to school and traded them because it was kind of like everyone did. So if you didn't, you were uncool or anything like that. So that's the kind of school I went to. If you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't like the same as everyone else, then no one liked you. Um, no one but, liked me. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't know what I was doing with them. I kind of had them. Um, it was the same as uh, probably two years before that, when everyone was obsessed with football stickers. And it's just a case of going through your pile. Yeah, I've got that one. I've got that one. Nope. Need that one. All right. We'll trade you for this one, which I've got. But, um, that lasted probably about six months um and then i just i just went straight back to the video games to be honest yeah i just thought of an interesting point did anyone actually play the card game when they were at school or did you I just did. collect the cards we had no idea what was going on i, I remember i remember playing a guy and he read the the card it was a magic card and it says on there um it, it did 10 damage plus 10 for every damage counter on it so he just had a tub of like 15 damage counters on it and went well that does 150 damage i'm like hang on a minute i don't think that works at all to be honest i used to do i would play but the people who knew what they were doing would just like you totally take advantage and i'd just sit there nodding going uh-huh uh-huh yeah yeah oh okay yeah, that's yeah. a thing cool. yeah no i used to go to back when Woolworths was a thing yeah because in the Woolworths near my house they used to have like a little like a little table area and every every now and again, there'd be like a little mini Pokemon card tournament, and I'd be like, "See you later. I'm going to Woolworths to play Pokemon." <laughs> so I, I used to play I used to play the cards quite often when I was younger, but now I don't actually have them anymore because when we moved house, my mom was like, "Oh, you don't need this anymore, do you?" 
it and looks I, complicated I, did, I didn't now, have though. a say in them and they're now gone but I did just order every single Charmander card what? For, so, for, for some reason, that doesn't surprise me. Just by how much you actually adore Charmander. My Those... plan is to collect every single Charmander card that they've made and frame it. Just looking at sort of the, the social interaction, obviously, in terms of the games. Now, I know Phil touched on the, the system link and what have you. Um, and I'm, I mentioned it earlier on. But in terms of the the online trading and things like that, um, what's it called again? Wonder Trade? Is it Wonder Trade? Wonder that Trade is the blind trading. Yes, that's um, that's sort of obviously where we find ourselves now. Yeah, unless and you then know you've people. got like the GTS. Well, you've got the GTS, which is where you can put a Pokemon on and request like a specific Pokemon back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Wonder Trade, which is like blind trading. So you'll just put some random crap on and probably get a Bidoof. <laughs> Bidoof. No, I, I get. I've, I've, I don't think I've ever got a Bidoof. Oh my gosh, I get so many. I get so many Bidoofs and Scatbugs. Scatbug get... is just... I want to burn them all. <laughs> That's it. It's a luck of the draw, though. That's exactly what it is. But, yeah, um... I have horrific luck. My friend my friend at work, he's like, oh yeah, well, I just put up like a pansail on the Wonder Trade and I got a shiny Charmander. And I'm like, I hate you so much right now. I don't think you can comprehend <laughs> the amount of hate. <laughs> Especially a shiny Charmander. Oof. Right. <laughs> and then he evolved it into a Charizard and I hated him forever. So has anyone actually got any good or bad stories in, in regards to the Wonder Trade? Obviously that will apply to the most <laughs> recent games. Apart from that, Charlotte, you don't have to go on about that again. Thanks. There's too much, too much pain Too there. much heartbreak. Yes. Not, not really. I remember getting... Um, I got a, a already competitively trained Alakazam once. Um, with items and stuff like that, but um, then I realised it was terrible competitively. Um, but that's about it. I think most of the stuff I always used to get were um, um, it links it back to sort of um, competitive play because it's just similar to what I do. Is if you're breeding for a certain kind of Pokemon with certain stats, you're gonna have loads left over, and they're always gonna be close to being really good. So I've I've got plenty of those through through Wonder Trade where it's just like a level one uh, uh, a level one Charmander for example that's got really good stats or a level one Togepi that's got really good stats but but never anything I've never seen a legendary come through to be honest. You'll you'll get a a level one Charmander with four perfect EVs and then you're like damn it I need that last one. Yeah, but it saves you time, doesn't it? Because then you can just go and breed your own one and you don't have to start from. Two yeah, that's or one true. Um, now, looking at the flip side of things, I've got um, obviously some notes down here. Will, one of your dislikes comes in the form of completing the Pokedex, which that's obviously to do with the social interaction and how that can prove difficult for the completionist. And also Charlotte, you've got a bit of an issue with the event exclusive Pokemon. Much like Will's dislike, it can prove very difficult. So if either of you want to maybe elaborate on that a little bit. Well, from the beginning of Pokemon, the catchphrase has been gotta catch them all, but you can't actually catch them all, can you? You have to Mm -hmm. start the game by choosing one of three. Um, There are fossil Pokemon where you have to choose between one or two, and then there are certain evolutions, like Eevee, where you have to choose which one you want. Um, So it's... Yeah, yes, you can get those from trading with friends, but who's going to give you a Bulbasaur for free? Like, Who's going to give you a Vaporeon or a Jolteon 
like obviously nowadays it's a bit easier with like online trading and people are so into it that they have you know multiple copies with breeding and stuff but back in the day when it was just you and you know a couple of mates who had the game on game boy um or no mates in my case no just kidding um (laughs) it was a bit difficult to actually do that um so it was a bit cruel to kind of encourage catching them all um when that's actually you know unless you know people unless you can play with people um it's different in japan isn't it because out there gaming is a much more um kind of social public experience people are playing games everywhere whereas over here it's almost like not seen very often so it's kind of hard to to meet people to trade with i think in japan they've got more games than they do credit cards probably over there now (laughs) (laughs) i was like that sad kid that had two game boys a link cable and two copies of the game so i could trade to myself i was the same (laughs) Me that, as well. Me as well. That's I am quite now. a popular trend just now, actually. With uh, I remember when X and Y came out. I mean, like parents buying like two co- X and Y for their kids, and I wasn't too sure if they knew what they were doing. So I can always remember going, "Are you aware that this is the same game with one kind of what a couple of differences?" And they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need both of them." They need to trade themselves Pokemon. I was like, okay, cool. That'll be 85 quid, please. <laughs> you know, it's it's an insane amount of money to spend just in well, one. I, I had the luck that I also have a sister who I got into yeah. Pokemon. So my excuse was like, yeah, she also needs a Game Boy and she needs the other version to what one I have. And then I'd be like, <laughs> Hey, do you mind? Do you mind trading me this Pokemon and then restarting your game and then getting that and then restarting again and then you can play it? <laughs> and and now and now the tables have turned because I have both games and she'll be like, sure, I have Alpha Sapphire. I need a Bulbasaur. Can you get me one? I'm like, okay, let me just restart my Y and then you can have one. You've just ploughed 400 hours into that game as well, and you three star. Well, no, I, I always it. This buy... is a new one she bought. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I always <laughs> buy two. Basically, what I do is X and Y as an example. I'll X will be my main game, mm-hmm. and I'll play through X, and that will be my completionist game. And then Y will be, okay, I need to restart for this Pokemon. I need to restart for this Pokemon. Okay, well, I need to restart the game twice because I need two Sunstones, and there's only one Sunstone in the game, and... Like, I like getting my own Pokemon, especially, I think, I guess it was Neil talking about competitive play. The the only way that you can guarantee that your Pokemon is legit is to get it yourself. Mm. So I'm really, like, tight about making sure that I have physically caught everything and I have made that evolution and I have completed my own Pokedex because I don't want to hack Pokemon. And, like, I'm really uptight about that. So I have one game that I complete. One game that I restart. And then especially with the PokerBank now, if I want to complete a game, I'll just like upload it all into PokerBank and download it all into the same game, like the other game. Probably before the brilliant um, Wonder Trade feature, which I, I think it's brilliant anyway. It's just how random everything really seems to be. As we've spoken about, the only way was to, to trade in the presence of someone else. And as someone who owned both Red and Blue, I wanted every Pokemon I could get in order to complete my collection. I remember the transfer cable which I had to use with the original Game Boy and the colour consoles. And that would 
more or less um, revolve around me taking that to school, which obviously was pretty dodgy, as Phil's just explained. uh, Charlotte, just talking about what you've mentioned above, uh, about the the dislikes and what have you, event-exclusive Pokemon, is that in terms of certain retailers, or is that certain Pokemon events that you're speaking of or Yeah, you... I'm I'm speaking from like primarily experience in the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um because in the UK I think you guys have it fairly okay. It's always at game or it's always at like a store that is fairly open and quite chained, so you've got it everywhere. My primary beef with the event Pokemon specifically here is that they don't seem to like the Netherlands. So if I want any event Pokemon, I got to call up my sister in England and be like, yo, can you go down to game? Because I want a shiny Charizard. Whereas here, I go, oh, there was this Caldea event, and it's at this store. Rock up to the store, and they're like, yeah, you need uh, a member's pass to get in. So they put an event-exclusive Pokemon in a membered store, so the only way that I was ever going to get that Pokemon, it was basically a store like Costco. So you had to have a business mm-hmm. to get a registration, to become a member of that store, to even enter the store to get the Pokemon. That's pretty ridiculous. I was um, so upset with it that I actually emailed Nintendo in the Netherlands <laughs> to complain about it. But that day you went into the store after filling all those applications in and setting up your own business. How was the good Johnny Charizard? <laughs> it was a Caldeo. I didn't get it because I was just too upset to even bother. I think the, was the, the Charizard a few weeks ago um, at game. Yeah, they've not released that here. Right, I see. So... I, 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 seem, I remember being in-game and I'm sure there was, or you can get Charizard. Um, I don't know exactly what version. You um, get... Uh, I think Charizard it was X. Y, I think, wasn't it? It was X, I think. I think it depends on what version of the game you have, maybe. Because my friend got X. Because I mean, it's it's so simple to do in game. I mean, there's so many game stores, or there's there's a lot less now than there used to be, obviously because of their recent financial troubles. But there's still probably one in every town, at least. Yeah. Um, and you just need to enter yeah, the easy. store. That's it. Yeah, and like the other store that they had the Diancy event at. I was like, oh yeah, I can go and get it because I really want this Pokemon because it's fantastic and it looks pretty and I like pretty Pokemon. Walked into the store and they were like, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was like, excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me? And they were like, yeah, well, you're not the first person to come in today and I've spoken to my manager and wherever you heard that from is not true. I'm like, are you actually joking? Where did so, you... this, so the store that was announced that they would have it in, that there would be a Pokemon event, did not actually have the event in. I was I was very upset, as you may be able to tell. I'm sure. I'm sure. I just oh. need to I just need to get rich so I can just come over to England every single time that there is an event and just go to game. One of the one of the few uh, upsides of of a game store, um, game itself. Obviously, their their high prices have been well documented compared to online stuff. But in terms of events and Pokemon codes and what have you, and being able to download them, they're they're on point for sure. They really are, and I'm so I'm so jealous. The next major plus side of the Pokemon series we'll be focusing on is the competitive side of things, and 
we can now we can turn to someone who knows all about that and Neil. Um, now Neil, I believe you're a you're a competitive Pokemon player. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't call myself an esports man or anything like that. <laughs> but um, no, I've been playing it um, competitively now for about four years, and I've only missed um, missed going to one of the national tournaments um, in the last four years. But I mean, like I mentioned briefly earlier, I mean, the reason that sort of one of the main reasons that got me back into it, black and white, was seeing um, that there was this brand new community, really, of of competitive play, um, which over the last three, four years has grown into something I never thought I'd see in my lifetime for a game that is 20 years old, essentially. Um, But I think the main attraction to it is how, um, you know, you've got 700 and what, 18 Pokemon. Obviously, you can't use all of those um, in competitive play. They do restrict you from using any of the, the sort of the main cover legendary, shall we call them, um, and people like Mewtwo. But a Pokemon now with all of the different hidden values that we touched on earlier, it's so easy to have your own individual teams. No one is going to have the exact same team for you unless you put it online and someone's copied it stat for stat, which, fair play. Um, it's just such a growing scene from just an, keeping your own individual team and then going to a tournament and playing all day with anything from, I mean, I've been to the smallest tournament I've been to. There was 20 people. The biggest tournament I went to was probably last year where 800 people over the age of 18 played Ooh. in one nice. day. Mm-hmm. it's it's so good it just puts a different spin on it it used to be you know you used to put your link cable in and it was basically whoever had the strongest pokemon because you're playing one-on-one wins um but what's different now if you play the proper competitive side is it's doubles first of all so you're playing 2v2 and from your team of six you only bring four so there's such a, a strategic sort of thought process that has to go behind it and then where every Pokemon is different. So, for example, you know, I could have a, a Charizard um, that could be completely maxed out in Special Attack, completely maxed out in uh, HP, for example. But if I've gone against another Charizard, that seems to be um, maxed out in its defense and its um, special defense. You're going to have a completely different matchup with them because so, they're so individual. Um starting to waffle on about it now to be honest because there's so much to talk about it um but i mean does anyone has anyone else sort of dipped into that sort of realm or heard anything about that sort of side of the game i mean i started to look into it recently um it's not something that i've massively delved into I mean, I tend to breed Pokemon a lot because I like shiny Pokemon. And then I was like, wait, I can also breed for Eevees, like, uh, effort value points. Um, So then I started to look into competitive play. And my colleague at work, he's into competitive play. He does a lot of online um, versus. So we tend to talk about that a lot. But I haven't really gone into, into too much depth yet. It's kind of something that now is the time that I'm getting into competitive play. So hopefully, I'm qu- I'm quite excited actually Good. because I'm going to beat my colleague into the ground at lunch breaks. 
Well, um, the competitive gaming scene, it's its something which I've never really delved into. Um, I know how much it's came on in, in recent years with, like, MLG, there's obviously Counter-Strike, Twitch, and eSport arenas opening up. Um, yeah. And tournaments are obviously huge business. But I can't really offer any insight or opinion into the subject because it's never really something that I've looked into. So maybe Phil or, or Will would be able to shine some light on that if they've had any experience of that no, I've not I've not had any experience of it sorry no me neither <laughs> right. well I mean is, is it something then on the flip side then that you know if there was more because part of a criticism about it as well is that it's not too much information out there I mean most of the tournaments are all um, especially in Europe are all fan led so obviously um, not making a cheap plug here at all but Street Party UK there is you know we've got groups all over the country and one of the main games that people play other than super smash bros is pokemon and people turn up people travel miles just to play in it if, if they turn around and see there's a pokemon tournament on and you know there's some kind of prize at stake people will go nuts we did a street pass uk one in november where we had qualifier events all over the country and the top four um from each of those would go to a final in manchester but we couldn't pay for obviously that to happen for for all you know pay for the travel for those people to come. Yet we still had all four qualifiers from each of those events all over the country all turned up in Manchester for a 64 person tournament. Brilliant. Just obviously shows you the community that's that's there behind Pokemon and just how much people want to, want to play this competitively. Exactly. I mean, the qualifier that I went to that I won was in Portsmouth. So obviously, for me, being in Southampton, it's, mm-hmm. it's 20 minutes on the train. But someone who I played in the first round travelled from Bristol mm-hmm. yeah. just for a, a right. quick quick little tournament yeah. in Portsmouth. Charlotte, um, you obviously said to me beforehand, something you really enjoy about the Pokemon series is that players can take their experiences with the game as far as they want, from sort of the casual player to the tournament player. And that's just sort of... That's a, a point I've just noted down here. It's kind of Pokemon suits all experiences. Is that something you kind of want to elaborate on? I think we maybe touched on this in the first point. But it's just obviously you can get into as much Pokemon as you want to. I mean, you can just play it for what it is, like I do. Or you can take it to the level which Neil does and gets a huge amount of satisfaction out of that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you just look at the five of us here at the moment, we've all got a completely different take on the Pokemon series and what it means to us and what we do of it. We're, I would figure that we've all got a fairly different like, interest in Pokemon and there is something for everyone. You know, you play it for what it is, there's something there for you. Neil wants to play it competitively, That that's there for him. Like... I'm there because I like shiny Pokemon, so I sit down for hours and hours breeding them. Like, and then you've got like the mini games now, and then you've got just so much to do that it just encompasses like every single walk of Pokemon gaming life, and I love that. There's, so- there's something for everyone. Yeah, like for me, for example, I will get eight gym badges, beat the Elite Four, um, and. I'm pretty much done with the game then. For other people, they want to go on and collect them all. Other people, they want to go on and battle people or collect shiny ones or breed Pokemon. So it's a lot of value for a game, isn't it? Like mm-hmm. for you know what you what what it is, you can get hundreds of hours, or you could get forty hours or twenty hours. Um, it's quite versatile like that. 
Um, and Neil, just touching on, obviously, I know you said it's quite hard to sort of find out about these um, these events and stuff like that. But where can people find out um, about future Pokemon events um, coming up? There will be a chance to plug later on, but since we're here, <laughs> since we're here just now, where can people go to find more information? Well, I think there's two places. I think um, there's there's three places actually, probably if you count one online place as well so i mean the main pokemon website um one of the tabs on the left apart from sort of like oh look at video games or anything like that is attend events so they they are always pushing people to attend events and the uk the trading card games probably got a bigger presence than the video game um but on there they will be all all the time is telling you where there are events um close to you and it will tell you, obviously, where, if they're video game related, if they're trading card game related, if they're sanctioned. So if there's any particular kind of reason for doing it, if it's going to get you qualification into the World Championships or anything like that. Because the World Championships now is a big thing. Happens every August. Streamed on Twitch. Gets millions of people watching it. So the Pokemon website is probably the first port of call. If you're looking for something locally for the video game, um, to sort of attend to it. And again, another face-to-face environment. So the Street Pass UK website, which is streetpassuk.co.uk, it does focus on every kind of Nintendo game, but obviously focusing on the 3DS and, you know, a multiplayer game. Only one comes to mind straight away, really, which is Pokemon. Um, so events happen there all over the country. There are Street Pass groups from Southampton down to Cornwall to Glasgow to Edinburgh to uh, North Wales to brighton all over the country um if you're really big into the online if you're into the online scene the best place to go is probably nuggetbridge.com um which is sort of also it's more of a guide but they do a lot of online tournaments on there um i've just been playing an online tournament that focused worldwide which had 1300 participants in it which is crazy yeah um it was mental playing that to be honest i played against a person in japan and spain um three or four people in the u.s it was absolutely crazy so if you want your online experience i think nuggetbridge.com is the best place to go because it will also give you a lot of tips on how to play the game competitively as well well neil thanks very much for that that sounds incredible now we'll move on to my favorite aspect of the pokemon series and it's something we haven't really discussed properly and that's the Pokemon themselves. Well, the games may have intricate gameplay mechanics and numerous features to keep you playing the game, I, I don't think there's anything more satisfying than the relationship you have with your first Pokemon in any game. The choice between a Water-type, Fire-type or Grass-type Pokemon never really mattered in the grand scheme of things, but you always chose your favourite in regards to which one you liked the best or which one you could maybe relate to that 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 bit, I don't know. The relationship you have with your chosen Pokemon spans the entirety of the game. Um, that's from a personal standpoint anyway. And the first Pokemon I receive is always in my top six because I, I feel as though it deserves to be. Now, I just wanted to see, is, is this something which everyone does? Your first Pokemon, is it there with you throughout the whole journey? Or is, do you change it around every so often, depending on the situation, or what have you? Where are, where are you at with the, the series? Absolutely, My, uh, always there. Absolutely. Oh, mine's mine's not. Like I got, I started X with Fennekin because I always choose the Fire Starter, and then I got a Charmander 
And I was like, bye, Fennekin. Charmander's <laughs> coming only, with me everywhere. There's only one fire type in your life, Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, that Charmander, that Charmander gets traded to all my games. I have the same Charmander with me forever. See, but that's obviously, that's obviously a relationship you started with your very first Pokemon game and your yep. experience with Pokemon. So that's... it's. It's sort of keeping it in there for the long haul, but it's obviously a, a much longer term, overarching rather. Um, but yeah, just, that's incredible. Just seems criminal to put a starter in a box, doesn't it? Like for me, it always has to be in your party. Otherwise, it's just like. Fennekin's got friends. It's okay. <laughs> I catch enough. He can have some. He can have some box parties. There was this really weird um, YouTube skit that I saw. It was animated, which was the story of a Pokemon being forgotten about in its Pokeball. I don't know if anyone else has saw it. And it's basically trying to say that if you leave a Pokemon in its Pokeball for too long, it'll become a missing no. (laughs) So that, it actually sums up, as a kid, how I felt about leaving my starter Pokemon in the PC. Because I would feel as if, but I can't leave it in there, it was my first Pokemon I'd start to guilt trip myself and I'd start to be like but what if it dies or what if it turns evil and comes after me or what if it <laughs> I used to actually just totally make up stories and guilt trip myself for why that had to be <laughs> in my party and it's so weird because it's not even a living thing but you know you've got an emotional attachment towards that first Pokemon as if you owe it something mm-hmm. you know it's it's really weird but it's, that is it, that is how I felt about it before even like watching that wee video was yeah, I would have that guilt. Totally. I always found the way I played it was I would have my starter and I'd maybe get another couple of Pokemon that I'd train up along with my starter. But I found it really difficult to keep all six at a kind of even level. So I'd kind of just like keep, whenever I'd catch a, a slightly better Pokemon, I'd rotate out my weaker ones and then keep kind of two or three that I would, I would keep throughout the whole game. Does anyone else do that? Yeah, that's... Yes. Yeah, I tend yep. to as well. Just, it, it was just the Fennekin and Charmander thing that... I feel like a monster now, since y'all are like... <laughs> we we don't we don't start Pokemon in a box. <laughs> poor, Fe- poor Fennekin, I'm going to have to go and get him now. <laughs> he might not be there. He, he may be corrupt. He's going <laughs> to be like, no, I'm staying in here, I'm not coming out of you. You just need to look at Delphox and just the wondrous creature that that he's is. He's not even I mean, evolved. A... I got... No, he's actually still a Fennekin and he's in a box. Oh, right, oh, <laughs> right. I see, right, okay then. Fair enough, fair enough. I feel so bad. <laughs> um, well, is, it, is there something that which... Obviously, we're talking about swapping Pokemon in and out. In terms of actually building the relationship with your Pokemon, do you sort of, in the early stages or even later on when you're trying to level up, do you sort of put your weaker Pokemon out there first, and then bef- even before the first move, you'll switch it out to your most stronger, your stronger Pokemon. All the time. Just so they, just so they get that XP, is oh, that how everyone does it? It's a really, really weird thing, isn't it? It's as if you're going to one Pokemon, look look at how he knocks the utter shit out of this Pokemon. Watch, <laughs> watch and learn, this is how you be hard. Um, it's like, and then it just goes, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, and all of a sudden it's like level one million, you know, just it's because like, it, it's it never like done anything. Motivation. It's like yeah. Magikarp. One day you'll go, look little Magikarp. One day you will be like Charizard and you'll just one-shot these bitches. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly Magikarp is a Gyarados and then it's like, yeah! 
<laughs> but aside from your starting Pokemon, um, who are some of your favourites? I mean, we've obviously spoken about uh, Charmander and that in the past, but most of my favourites personally come from the original 150, yeah. and they, they include, um, of course, Pikachu, because as I mentioned earlier, you, you've always feel as if you've got that relationship, because you've seen that much of them. Uh, Pikachu's always by your side in Pokemon Yellow. Um, but I've also got a soft spot for sort of Cubone and Slowpoke. I don't know why. I have a soft spot, spot uh, for Cubone just because of his backstory. I'm not really too sure of his backstory, if you elaborate on a, that. A Cubone is a little baby Cubone that wears its mother's skull because its mama died. Ah, I see, right. Okay. I don't see and it as a tragic backstory. That sounds violent. Well... If if you guys read the if you guys watch the anime or read the manga, then it's a really sad backstory regarding the Cubone in the tower in the lavender I've, tower. I've I've, I've read no about idea. this before, but I, I didn't I didn't discover it in my own. Okay, well just... spoilers um, <laughs> for a twenty year old game. For a twenty year old game, basically in the tower you get a ghost that blocks you from going up the tower and you get the the goggles that allow you to see ghosts and then it turns out that it's a ghost of a Marowak um, the Team Rocket killed and then it, in the anime it abandoned its baby Cubone because Team Rocket well it didn't abandon it, Team Rocket killed its mum and made the poor Cubone an orphan oh. so yeah I have, I have a weak spot for for Cubone. Like, the Pokedex entry is, Cubone pines for the mother it will never see again. Seeing a likeness of its mother in the full moon, it cries. The stains on the skull the Pokemon wears are made by the tears that it sheds. That's, that's pretty deep. That's, oh, the, um, that's the Omega that's... Ruby Pokedex entry <laughs> for Cubone. I'm moving on. <laughs> I feel like I need to go catch a Cubone and put my arm around it. I know, I just want to cuddle <laughs> the poor thing. I just like Cubone because I think it looks like badass. Uh, now now you know the tragic great. backstory behind the Cubone. Now you can feel better about yourself. I see my my affiliation towards Pokemon is so much more immature than that. I just think it's funny when Pokemon have inanimate bi- non-biological items on them, like from Buff, so like a, a Hitmonchan. <laughs> why <laughs> why does it have a pair of boxing gloves or like Alakazam? Why the <laughs> fuck have you got a pair of spoons? <laughs> why, where did you get those spoons from? Whose cutlery drawer have you been in? It's, uh, it's so weird that they are actually like my favorite Pokemon. Every Pokemon I've got in my party almost has like an inanimate object with it. <laughs> it's so, oh gosh, that's so funny. My favorite Pokemon, other than Charmander, is a Dragonair. Because oh, Dragonair. Because it's. I'm so shallow. I'm just like this Pokemon's pretty. I like it. I prefer Drag Dragonite actually. I love Dragonite just because no, of I don't, how I don't massive like he is. <laughs> I love Dratini and I love Dragonite, and then the second it's into Dragonite, I'm just like, no, I'm done with you. You just abandon it, and the PDSA have to be phoned. He, he can go and sit with Fennekin in the in the box. <laughs> oh no. And obviously, I really like cute things, so obviously I have an affinity for the baby Pokemon. Except for Iggyparth, Togepi. <laughs> Pichu, Chinchu, whatever it's called, however you pronounce it, love it. Mario, but Mario's not a baby Pokemon. There's just too many to name. That's that's the thing. It's just they're, they're just all brilliant. Well, I say all brilliant. They're mostly brilliant. And then you've got Suicune, which is awesome. And then you got Celebi. I could go on forever, so I'm just gonna stop. 
Was it um, <laughs> was it Clefairy that was supposed to originally be Ash's sidekick in the anime? Yes. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I think that's really quite strange. And if I remember right, the reason they picked Pikachu was because like girls and their mums or something would like it more. Um, but I think that's kind of weird since Clefairy is sort of pink and girly looking. Clefairy is freaking adorable. Yeah. So I don't know where they were coming with. Where we're coming from with that. You know, it's kind of strange. But if we're looking I'll- old school. Probably Gengar. Any, any at all, any at all. I loved Gengar from the original 150. He was quality. It does look, it does, it does look menacing. It does menacing. look really menacing. It, it just reminds me of me, to be honest. That's probably <laughs> <right>. <laughs> no, but I like Gengar. But it, as well, coming up, I'm a big fan of um, Lucario from Diamond and Pearl because he is just badass as well. He really is. I, I think he's quality, but as well, and then going to the to the to the newer one, so X and Y. I don't know why, but I love Aegislash, which is just a sword and shield. I just keep thinking. <laughs> that's why, though. I think. I think yeah, I think you're right. It's just that's it's just it's ingenious. A sword it's, and shield. I'm just gonna stab you. Not just a sword and shield. A haunted sword and shield. Yeah. Which for me. Oh, one of the newer Pokemon. I mean, obviously, loads from the originals, just because you know we grew up with them. But I love um, is it Darumaka? Is that one of the yeah. new ones? Yeah. So yeah, he's yeah. based on like a Japanese Daruma doll, which is like this red ornament with a face you have in like a Japanese home. And what those are is you fill in one of their eyes, and then you have like a, a goal or a, uh, something you want to reach and achieve. And when you achieve that, you fill in the other eye. And they've base this character around that and I just thought that was really cool. I like how everyone's like this Pokemon's badass, this Pokemon's adorable and you're like this Pokemon has an awesome backstory based in <laughs> Japanese folklore. <laughs> Each to their own that's exactly what Pokemon provides. Yeah. And it's, just, it, oh, it's just comedic value as well for some of the Pokemon. Have any of you seen um, the honest trailers for the Pokemon games? Nope. No. Oh, Can't see you need to go and watch them afterwards because what they do is typical I don't know if you've ever seen an honest trailer before. They do them a lot for the movies. Um, they started doing them for games, and they've done them for the Pokemon series. And towards the end, they'll go starring, and they'll go through all the Pokemon from that game. So they've done it for Red and Blue, Gold and Silver, and Ruby Sapphire. So it goes through all 151, but it, it, they literally just say the honest name for it. So for um, example, spoilers, for Muck, it just literally says, come spell backwards. For, <laughs> for, for Cloyster. Um, haunted vagina. <laughs> it's, I think I may have seen that before. I think maybe years, a few years ago. Uh, it's a hilarious when I saw that. I think Pikachu came up as Japanese Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be like uh, Dedenna though? Because I can kind of see that. Probably, but I think it was just the whole point of it. It's just it's, it's thrown out there all across Japan. Like Mickey is yeah. probably in America with Disney. <laughs>
Right, that's it from our main likes from the Pokemon series. So now we'll move on to some of our criticisms. And we'll start with Charlotte, who wishes to discuss the amount of Pokemon and how overwhelming they can be. Yeah, I think... Well, I mean, when you said, you know, we need some pros and cons, I was like, well, I've got a lot of pros because Pokemon's my thing. And I couldn't think of any cons. So I went to my friend group. And one of my friends has done what you did. They stopped in gold and silver. So they stopped in Gen 2. And then they've just come back. And they're like, holy crap. There are so many Pokemon now. There's a new type. What the hell is going on? Like, I don't remember any of this. So I feel like for a lot of people, even if they are new, and even if they have that one game, you can still obviously have the option of coming across any of the Pokemon, especially if you're competing or doing any of the online battles. So I feel like if you're coming into the game now, um, having that just sheer amount of Pokemon and remembering the dual-type matchups and what they're like good against or what they're bad against, is going to be kind of hard for them to process if they're quite slow about it. Well, they're going to be like when they realise there's more than three evolutions now. Yeah, exactly. With Eevee, like, it's like, I oh, just like, what the hell is a mega evolution? How long does this last for? I was like, oh crap, you've just been introduced to that as well. That came out like a whole game ago. So yeah, that, that, was, that uh, was a fun conversation. I think the genius of Black and White was uh, they limited it to just the new Pokemon for the duration of... Was it the main kind of quest, the main story? Yeah, it was. You could yeah. only use the new Pokemon, and then it was after that that you could get the old ones. So it was a real good jumping-on point for new players because it wasn't, like, overwhelming you with all kind of six or 700 Pokemon. It's like, here are the new ones, get used to these, and then later on, like... You we'll can start. have some more, yeah. But yeah. you can see you the cool ones because in this game it's, it's bin bags and ice creams. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of annoyed me when I'd get a new Pokemon game and then in the starting areas you'd still get like Metapods and like Weedles and stuff like obviously you'd get the new ones as well but it would always be the old ones mixed in and I'm like oh I'm bored of that I just want the new stuff yeah I've just gone through Santaloon Forest again in X and it's like Weedle, Caterpie um, Pikachu playing X, I've got Kakuna Pikachu and then you've got Pansir, Pampor or Pansage the, the new Pidgey. No, Pidgey's even in there. So you've got Pidgey. Oh, wait, no, it's Fletchling in the forest. Pidgey's outside the forest. And then you've got Scatterbug, which is basically Caterpie and, Metapo- Caterpie and Weedle again. Oh, yeah. It's just like going back to so, red and blue. It's, yeah, exactly. Nostalgia. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was speaking about earlier. Brilliant. Um... Now, Phil, I've got down here, it's pretty much the same points you've made as Charlotte, just in terms of the amount of Pokemon in the games. You, you think it's sort of easy to lose grips with the game, with the addition of new types and the changing types as well? Yeah, to be fair, I think this is more me just being uh, a bit of a spoil sport because I can't quite get my head around how many different Pokemon there are now, and I think that it makes me feel like I know less about the game. <laughs> so it's sort of one of those... It's a love-hate relationship because at the same time, I do like the idea that they're giving you kind of endless content and they're changing it up all the time. But at the same time, where the fuck did that ice cream come from? What What, <laughs> what is that? I mean, and what moves does it do? And it just blows my mind. And 
it's a, it's a strange thing. I don't necessarily wish they would stop making Pokemon, but I do kind of wish they would make it easier to know what, you know, just know how they work, if you get what I mean by that. Because I yeah. feel as if I jump into some of the games and I'm like, right, I have no idea what this Pokemon is because I just don't know every Pokemon now. It's different yeah. when it used to be maybe about, just say you have two generations of Pokemon. I felt fine then, but as it kind of went on three generations, four generations, you would forget like all the context that made you kind of better at the game. So I just think the creators felt though. Like, damn it, we've got to come out of 115. That's probably where the ice cream in the bin That's where the from. ice cream in the bin They were on lunch. They were on lunch <laughs> in the park. That's what it is. And it's kind of strange, though, because who was it that mentioned the Pokemon that looks like the little red doll from the Japanese? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, was that well. you? It's strange because that seems really clever, and I appreciate that sort of art design, but how do they come up with something like that at the same time as coming up with a bin bag? They just just... in the house. Because since they're all Japanese, they probably went, oh, hey, well, we've got this like statue thing in our house. Oh, hey, there's a bin. <laughs> I want to see I want to see more absurd Pokemon. Like At least if they look interesting, then I'll maybe be a little bit more on board with hundreds of Pokemon being around. Like Jinx and Mr. Mime. I, I really want more like really crazy looking Pokemon like that rather than just, you know, simple looking Pokemon, they seem to just, they exhaust me a little bit when you'll I'm prob- actually... You'll, you'll get that in a new game along with the chair that evolves into a table. The chair yeah. that evolves into a table. Maybe, maybe they'll come <laughs> to like modern stuff and then you'll have like a keyboard and a mouse. See, that's what I'm afraid of. I don't want a Chromecast Pokemon. That's just going to drive me up the wall. It's, is it going to get to that stage? I mean, to be fair, no, you do because you've got um, oh, what is he? Rotom. Um, oh my gosh, so true. He goes into a washing machine. He can oh, turn into a washing oh, machine, oh. a fridge, a fan, or a lawnmower. Yeah. Depending <laughs> so, on what so, form he's in. Yeah. So basically, he's just a transformer. Is that, is that, is that what he's saying? Yeah. yeah. He's just he's just a haunted um <laughs> thing. He's okay. He he's is. a he's a haunted like lightning rod, and so there's normal Rotom, and then on top of that, there's five different other kinds of Rotom. You've got Heat Rotom, which looks like a freaking microwave. You've got Wash Rotom, no, a he's a washing machine. machine. You have Frost Rotom, which is a fridge. You have Fan Rotom, which is She's a, a fan. fan, and then you have Mo Rotom, which is a lawnmower. And then all of them have a different, like, secondary type. See see what this is just really reminding me of here? Do you know that Simpsons episode where, like, the, the kitchen comes alive and it just tries to kill the Simpsons? That's basically oh my gosh, yeah. right home and stuff like that. Yeah, that's that's, right that's exactly what it sounds like. It's like the toaster's coming after them and the fridge is opening and closing. That's, exa- that's just exactly what that seems like. <laughs> Obviously, you can tell I'm clueless right here because I'm just, yeah, just I mean, well over my head. It reminds me of that uh, that cartoon from when I was wee, The Brave Little Toaster. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it's just every Pokemon looks like a character from that film. I'm <sighs> kind of surprised they didn't make one of his ones a toaster. Yeah, I know that it's probably the one appliance they could have maybe got away with. It's a toaster. don't know why they could have. But... Well, um, going back to the sort of them, uh, how overwhelming it can be. The number of Pokemon has changed so much, obviously, as we've, we've spoken about, from when I was last enthusiastic about Pokemon, probably in the early 2000s. So, and... you would have had second generation. 
Yes, I think that I, Gold was my last game before um, I, I played Y um, two years ago. So outside of that original 150, uh, how, do you know how many it was in the second generation? It'd be 251 in total, I think, wasn't it? Well, Excellent. Yeah, it's um, 251 if you include me and Celebi. So now it's 719. Oh, oh my god. So and obviously even... then you're not taking into consideration the five different forms of Rotom, for example, because they don't count as the same Pokemon. They don't count as separate Pokemon. So you have your 719. You've got 18 different types of Pokemon. Oh, and yeah. then obviously you have Mega Evolution, which will show type changes, and Pretty then you have things well, like yeah, different forms, and then you've got like like Rotom again, for example, who can change his forms, and then you've got fight forms, and then you've got defense forms, and yeah. So I know there obviously we, we touched on the, the second generation, but even I don't remember too many Pokemon from the Gold and Silver era. Um, just because of how heavily promoted the original um, series and that was. And I didn't play a game until Y in 2013, and I was completely overwhelmed by the number of uh, Pokemon you could catch. And then, in addition to that, there are now so many different types. I think the most recent one was Fairy type. Yeah, Fairy's the newest uh, introduction that came with X and Y. To be fair, though, the last time they brought in a new type was Gold and Silver. And that's yeah. when they brought in Dark and Steel, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, Dark and Steel. Yeah, so so there was like a good, what, four, three chunks there that didn't have a new type. So that is something brand, brand new, really. Yeah, but obviously the fairy matchup type, they changed like the type chart. If you compare a type chart now compared to a type chart back in Gen 1, Gen 2, they're different. <laughs> that's mental now. <laughs> I know, it's ridiculous. You have to be a champion chess player, I think, to remember it at these days. I have, I have a type chart on a poster on my desk. That's dedication. That is dedication. <laughs> I don't I'm even pretty do sure that. you're not surprised. <laughs> I did find at one point, though, I had a chart along with my DS, and then whenever I'd encounter a Pokemon, I'd look it up on Bulbapedia, look up its types, its, its weaknesses... And it kind of just like took some of the fun out of the game because when I was yeah. playing Pokemon Blue, I didn't care about the types. I was just like tackle, vine whip, hydro pump, just whatever. And <laughs> I still got through the game. And you can get really bogged down in the details and the weaknesses yeah. and stuff. But at the end of the day, you don't have to get too involved. Like maybe when it gets to the Elite Four, like or obviously gym leaders, but you don't have to get too into it. I don't think if you don't want to. Yeah, yeah. I think that's I think, a nice I think touch that... as well. I think the best way that I can describe it anyway, the original Pokemon was, it was almost sort of a rock, paper, scissors yeah. way, way to play in terms of uh, fire being strong against grass, grass being strong against water, and water being strong against fire. I mean, it was really simple. And then, obviously, I know what we're saying, there's not been that many added, but it just, there's, now you get two, I think you get two types of Pokemon to the one type of Pokemon, uh, the two types of Pokemon to the one, like, for example, Delphox is Fire and... Psychic. Psychic. Psychic, yes. So, it's like that. how that influences things like that as well. Um, sometimes it can it nerf just... a weakness as well. Yep. And then sometimes it can double it, and you'll have a four-time weakness. See, that just seems so elaborate and yeah. so removed from what I, I've been used to, like, in my, my younger days. 
playing Pokemon, but obviously I do still get some great enjoyment from the series, but in terms of plowing those hours into it, I mean, it's just, that's one of them that's holding me back. Yeah. Which is sort of holding me back from There's it. two things that have got me by in, like, recent Pokemon games. It's Bulbapedia and levelling up my Pokemon so much that it's impossible for me to lose. Um, <laughs> just it, And that is the two things. That, that's why I feel as if I'm not good at the game anymore. Just because I, I need to, I never usually look up games on the internet to see like how exactly to go about them. I usually figure it out myself. But with Pokemon, it seems to just give me a bit of a sore head thinking about all the new types and all the different Pokemon that you get now. So, I mean, like I think some of the Pokemon, obviously, it's a bit obvious what types they are. Yeah. So like yeah. you just look at them and you're like, oh, you're on ice cream. <laughs> you're clearly like ice. And like Charizard now is obviously dragon flying mm-hmm. so i mean you can you can kind of just wing it and just use logic um to work out the types and then you just kind of learn as the more you play but yeah i think it's fairly okay for like newer people that come in that you know don't want to have to look up on bulbapedia or Cerebi or whatever and just wing it and go oh hey Okay, I've got an electric Pokemon where you look like a fish. <laughs> I'm just going to zap you with some thunder stuff. I think and then ever- hope that you die. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Everything should be weak against electricity, really, at the end of the day. Pretty Except sure if you... Apart from a rock. Sh- yeah. Pretty sure if you shock it enough, it'd die. <laughs> <laughs> poor G- poor um, Geodude. <laughs> just pumps and pulls through, this- yeah? Yeah, this goes back to the original uh, Pokemon series, doesn't it, when... <laughs> Pikachu gets his wee power surge. Well, um, owns an Onyx because there was yeah. uh, cause there was the fire. Um, yeah, where was thing. that in the game? Mm-hmm. I know, was no right? option to that? Was it burst the uh, fire alarm <laughs> so you could then beat the Onyx? Uh, that's a cheat code. Apparently yeah. the anime now follows the game a bit more. No, than, not really. Like, Pikachu's well, they... still overpowered in the oh, yeah. cartoon. He still beats I, I everything, stopped, doesn't I stopped he? watching the anime... When Tracy replaced Brock. That's when I stopped watching it as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's when so everyone I'm... stopped watching it, I think. <laughs> yeah. Brock for life. Are they not supposed to be making, or have they already made another anime series like that's supposed to be starring Red? Oh, yeah, the Origin series is for yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. You should watch is it. Is it really good? I'll make it. It was like a four piece thing, wasn't it? It was like yeah. four episodes that were 20, 20 minutes each. It was basically just like a movie of Pokemon Red and Blue. It was ah, right. Yeah. Everyone laughed because I cried. <laughs> just just for the record, um, I think I stopped watching the Pokemon anime when Ant and Beck left SMTV. I think that was the last <laughs> that time. That was probably that the same Pokemon. time Tracy replaced Brock, to be fair. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> was, yeah. Honestly, can't remember that. But anyway, um, so the next um, criticism we'll come on to in regards to the Pokemon series is from Will who wishes to discuss excessive grinding. This might just be me getting old and not having as much time to play games but I these days I can't be bothered to grind away to level up a Pokemon so I can beat a gym leader and it definitely feels like that is a part of the Pokemon games like you will get to a point maybe the fourth or the fifth gym and you need to go away, walk around in the, the tall grass for hours, and just train your Pokemon. To me, that's kind of boring. And I didn't really mind when I was a kid, because I had nothing better to do. But now, I'm trying to fit in gaming in between working and 
socializing and paying my bills and it's like not something i can do maybe that's just a sign of the times it's like maybe i'm just getting old and it's yeah. not a real complaint to be honest it's still it's still pokemon it's 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 part of the game but um and there've definitely been ways you can speed it up with like experience share and stuff like that but and it you know this isn't this isn't exclusive to pokemon is it like every jrpg every rpg there's there's an element of grinding yeah. it's just part of part of it but well, for me that's just not fun anymore that's the thing like i'm not not saying that it's necessarily bad to feel like that but the, those sort of thoughts about random encounters and grinding and it's changed rpgs rpgs aren't quite the same as they used to be in that respect which i'm not too sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing i know that like, series like final fantasy they've suffered from that where you don't really get random encounters anymore and i wouldn't say you have to necessarily grind as much in a final fantasy game uh, it's sort of it's been adapted almost to be an action rpg to kind of keep your brain ticking over in case you get bored mm. um it's, it's a strange thing i don't necessarily know if i like it or dislike it and um, that they're sort of changing the way you grind in an rpg so sort of, i used to feel as if the it would pay off as a reward if you grinded but i don't know i don't know how i feel about that yet Neil, how would you, um, obviously as a competitive player, how would you go about the grinding? Is that something that uh, you need to do because of the level of Pokemon you need to have? Or is is it something you enjoy? It's the part I hate the most about competitive because it's it's more than just levelling it up because you've got to grind first to get a Pokemon with the right IVs that you want. So you've got to go through countless breeding you then got to make sure it's got the right nature that you want. And then when you've got it, you've got to make sure that you've bred all of the right moves onto it if you do. I mean, I was trying to get a um, so an Aegislash with the move Wide Guard on it. And to do that, the only way you could do it was to chain breed um, the move from um, a Mudkip, which was the one of the starters in um, Ruby Sapphire, through about three or four different other Pokemon before you could get it bred onto... Um, a baby hone edge which is the, the main age slash so you, you've got that part to look at then when you finally got your level one pokemon with all the right ivies the right nature the right moves you want you've then got to go and battle specific pokemon just to get the right evs and make sure you give it the right amount to give it the right stats you want then you've got to get it to level 50 isn't then, the super trainer thing the super like, trainer with that <laughs> yeah but not really there's other oh, ways around okay. it yeah there's ways around it with using um special items so mm-hmm. like a power brace which will give you an extra four evs on top of the one you're doing and then horde battles was purely brought in for this because you go to a horde battle if each of the opponent pokemon give you one ev and you've got a power band on for example which will give you an extra four per pokemon that's 25 there straight away while oh, super nice. training will give you up to 12 maximum I think. Oh, okay so that's 10 times but the grind for that i mean just to get one one pokemon competitively ready could probably take me 10 hours which is as that's a, some again, dedication Again, I'm in a full-time job. I don't get much time, so I don't know where I got the time to do it all, to be honest. But then for the the, the light at the end of the tunnel for you, Neil, is obviously the enjoyment that you get from 
taking part in competitive events, yeah. whether being face to face or against people online. I mean, there's such a vast community. Yeah, there. I mean, especially Christmas Day for me is basically the national tournament when you, when I go up there, which is in Manchester, I think this year. Um, that's definitely sort of like my Christmas Day, really going there. And the way they the way you battle as well, it's not a straight knockout tournament. They do it in a Swiss format, so you play someone with the same record as you. Depending on how many people there is, you could play anything up to, I think last year it was nine battles or ten battles throughout the day before they even put it into a ranking system and say, right, top 32 now, it's just those. So you get there for a whole day and you've got a minimum of ten battles and you're playing with someone with the same record as you. So if you've lost five games in a row and you haven't won yet, the person you're going to play is going to be in the exact same position as you. So you, it's not like you're fighting the best person every single time. So that does make that grind that you've gone through to get to where you are just that little bit better but it's still a pain in the arse <laughs> Charlotte what about you is that is grinding something you enjoy doing or is it something you've obviously throughout the, all the games you've played is it something which you've kind of grown accustomed to yeah I, I think I'm just kind of used to it I mean I do burn out of it a little bit but then I just do something else in the game um, until I feel like I can go back and grind it. I mean, with the whole um, Elite Four thing, going back and fighting them, since I'm not doing anything competitively, I'm not going for specific EVs. So it's more of a case of I'll just take one max level Pokemon and a bunch of little ones, like someone to back up the first one, and then four like low levels and just grind the Elite Four if I want things at a higher level so it's not too bad i don't sit in the grass for hours and find like a specific pokemon because i kind of don't need to i think when i was younger it was easy to get lost in the games because you were infatuated with with the world whether you wanted to be ash and have your own pikachu or what have you um now as i'm older there are so many things to do as will touched on and in terms of video games there's so many more out there to play with me not having a huge array of games on my Game Boy, Pokemon was all I really had, and I didn't mind the grind um, in the 90s, but as I've matured, it's now frustrating, to be honest. In preparation for this show, I've been playing several Pokemon games, but I've probably put the most time into Pokemon White. Uh, I recall that it took me around two hours to defeat the first gym leader. The way in which the first gym leader works is that it chooses the type of Pokemon which your starter is the weakest against. Now, I had chosen Tepig to begin with, so I was constantly coming up against Panpour, which would persistently use the water gun attack, and my other Pokemon, such as Purloin, Patrat, and Lillipop, were just not strong enough. And when I was younger, I would have seen this as part of the game, but now it feels rather cheap. It kind of teaches you about the game, shoot for sure, but it's needless when you've played these exact same type of games before. That's really the my point of view on things. Anyway. Did you go to the next bit over from the gym and find the Pantsage, uh, the grass type one? Sorry, I've just no, ruined that for you now. That's time I could have saved there, <sighs> Neil. Um, no, I didn't. I only found out that um, once I tried to move on to Route Three, and the guy's like, "Oh, you need to go and get this mist." And I was like, "Right." Oh, and okay. then you found the lady that gives you the opposite of what you've got. Yes. Yep. So yeah, I just I've. 
I mean, I, I right now I'm playing through like Bloodborne just while I can, and as anyone knows, the the Soul series, it's sort of excessive grinding in that as well. But it's a different sort of satisfaction you get from that, where it's you doing it really. That obviously you're breeding these Pokemon, you're uh, evolving them and what have you. You're having a direct influence on them. But it's a turn-based combat that's sort of you can just pick up and play for ten minutes, and that's you, no problem at all. Whereas Bloodborne. Like, I know it's obviously, like, they're two completely different games, but in terms of grinding, um, if that's what we're speaking about just now, it's a very much much more satisfying on Bloodborne yeah. when you're making that little bit more of a, pro- a progression. Yeah, thing. definitely. Grinding but, in the Souls games is just... It's it's more satisfying <laughs> because you can actually spend the time and kill something, whereas in Pokemon you're like, oh, you're weak to me, one shot, bye. Move on. Exactly. More experience, yep. please. See, people might say that's it's quite typical um, of me just saying, oh, Bloodborne or the Soul series or what have you, because that's what they're known for. But as I mentioned earlier, I'm not really a fantasy RPG player or even a real RPG player. And Bloodborne is sort of the first one of the Soul series that I've been into, so it's sort of the first game that I've really <clears throat> grinded apart from Pokemon, which is obviously com- a completely different type of grinding. But I think Bloodborne is the grind. The whole game is the grind. You're pushing forward. Try. It's more aggressive than anything. You get really angry at just normal enemies. You start like sweating and want to strangle them in their sleep. It's not like Pokemon where you really just try to train yourself up so then you can go and visit a a trainer and beat them and then progress on with the game. I think uh, RPGs like Bloodborne are more, you know, they're more aggression based. They're making you want to prove yourself like you, you know right that you can beat this game and that you're not going to get backstabbed every two seconds you know yeah i mean on on so, the yeah. vein of souls versus pokemon um my boyfriend plays a lot of the souls games so obviously i saw him play and went to play dark souls the first one i like got to the first boss like the taurus beast and i just got so annoyed at it because i kept on getting stuck when i was like rolling under his legs <laughs> and then I was like, fuck this, I'm going to go and play Pokemon. <laughs> it's just that bit more relaxed, yeah. you can take your time with it. Yeah, so obviously Pokemon does have its downsides of grinding, but then obviously it does have the upsides of it's not constantly in your face, you can play it in your own pace or what have you. So it's not all bad. So the next uh, the next major downside we'll look at uh, is from Phil, who wishes to discuss... Nintendo unwilling to use the license for a full-scale Pokemon game. Um, and just before you do, Phil, this sort of ties in with my main dislike and that the I feel as though the games have never, never really changed that much. So I thought I would basically just kind of tie these two together because they sort of come under the same points. So, Phil, what, what are your thoughts on Nintendo and their inability to provide a full-scale Pokemon game. Yeah, again, I feel as if I'm playing devil's advocate with myself because it's a point I agree with, but at the same time, I don't necessarily hate them for sticking to the same format of Pokemon game. But at the same time, if, if to be immature about it and think back to when I was little and think to myself, well, there's games with certain mechanics, yet you get Pokemon, which would be great as a whole sort of not necessarily open world, but more of a bigger adventure game with more aspects to it. Um, for example, the GameCube games like Pokemon Coliseum, uh, they had a little bit more to them, and they felt as if they were. It felt more like a 
I'm meaning more a console game, really, because the Pokemon games really are orientated around the handheld, you know, devices. They're not necessarily made with a console in mind. I'd, I would like to see a console Pokemon game with a bit more context to it and a bit more, and just add a bit more effort into it in terms of new mechanics. You know, I would like to see that from it, but at the same time, keep it as an RPG. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking more, uh, is there, have any of you played Nino Kuni? Yeah. No. I'm thinking more along the lines of that. They could make a Pokemon game that massive. And I, I don't know about you guys, but I would appreciate that. See, but... I don't think it's a case of Nintendo. As far as I'm aware, Game Freak has the licensing for it. Oh, um, yeah. And if yeah. you go back to... Oh, I can't even get my words out. If you go back to the developers of the other games that aren't, like, the main series, they're all developed by people that aren't Game Freak. So yeah. Coliseum, for example, was developed by uh, Genius uh, Sonority. Uh, Snap That's was right, developed yeah. by Pax Sofnica, and Stadium was developed by Nintendo. So I think while it would be amazing to have like a full-scale Pokemon game like that, I think it's down to Game Freak. Like someone will probably correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I, I think it's down the main... to Game Freak. Um, uh, I'm not giving the license in. I, think I, can't, the main, I can't remember. I think it's, if you look at it from the flip side of to when they come out and if you look at the main market, is Japan. And in Japan, handhelds, more people have a handheld console than they would uh, a home true. console, especially at the moment. The 3DS outsells stuff like the, the PS3, like five yeah. to one. Something like stupid Monster like Hunter that. Is, Monster Hunter has moved to 3DS now, hasn't it? Whereas it, you know, yeah, used, because used of how be, uh... many were sold in, in Japan. Been because that's the market that originally sort of a big for it so that that's why i think to be fair if you look at nintendo you know if you look at sales as a whole worldwide for them they're just milking it from the 3ds sales because that's how many people in japan have it and people in japan love this game they love this format they just don't have xbox ones or ps4s or anything like that because they don't like them yeah again i don't I feel as if I was playing Devil's Advocate there because I don't really hate them at all for doing what they do, and I feel as if they do well. Um, it's not as if they're like Konami or something, but um, <laughs> it's it's the fact that I see potential. It is more immature. I see potential in something that's probably not feasible. I'm not a game developer, and I'm not, you know, so I don't really know how these things work, and it's probably not as feasible as I make it out in my head, especially when I was younger. So who knows? It might become like a One feasible idea yeah that's... Never know, that could be the 20th anniversary announcement that's what it is i mean the wii u's sitting there and it, it could potentially be you know a great platform for a you know a different type of pokemon game not necessarily like so different that it's not pokemon but you know something a bit bigger you know i think the the one of the main things in terms of uh positives to come out of maybe what Phil's talking about, or maybe a glimmer of hope, um, would be Zelda Wii U's been unveiled. Of, granted, we don't really know too much about it, but by what's been speculated, rumoured, and everyone's speaking about, it seems as if it's going to be open world. Now, Zelda, obviously, it's never... Well, it has obviously been open world, I think. Is it Wind Waker? It's sort of yeah. a bit open world. To be fi- um, yeah, yeah, to be fair, Ocarina of Time was, a, I suppose, it, it, to an extent as well. Yeah. This, mm. this is the thing. It's a sort of an illusion where it is open world, but all they're doing is increasing the amount of steps, really, yeah. that you need to take to get to a location. 
Um, and then obviously with newer hardware, they can make draw distance and things look further, and it just gives you that sandboxy feel. But I mean, if they were to apply that to a Pokemon game, I think that could possibly work out in his favour. That would be awesome. Yeah, it would, but it's just, as you said, Game Freak probably hold on to their own format for the life of them and don't want to let go of it. Um, so anything that remotely resembles like the handheld Pokemon games, they'll probably just say, well, no, that's ours. You can't have that. Um, you- well, spe- speaking of Game Freak, um, I know they recently unveiled, is it a, a elephant-based yeah, game? Yeah, I've heard about this. I can't, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Uh, it looks sort of, it's like a 2D elephant game. I, I don't think, it might be a platformer. Is it a Kickstarter um, project by any chance? That. I've no idea. I just remember people saying Game Freak, the creators of Pokemon, yeah. uh, the Pokemon games. But in terms of what else have they actually made aside game from Pokemon? Freak, yeah. there, was a, there was a weird horse riding game. I can just game imagine Freak everyone's did uh, <laughs> obviously Pokemon. Uh, they also did a Yoshi game back in '91. Uh, okay. Mario and Yoshi, they did. Uh, yeah. uh, they've got an Android game. Apparently, I'm just bringing it up. One sec. Uh, they've got a game from Android and iOS called Solitiba that came out last year. Yeah. The and one then that's... it's Pokemon, 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 Harmonite, which was a little... Oh, Harmonite, of course, platformer. yeah. Um, apparently, they also did Tem- uh, Tembo the Badass Elephant. That's the one. So that's the one. About, yeah. Um, yeah, that's the one. Yeah, no, that's kind of it. <laughs> a Yo- a yes, Yoshi so game, <laughs> Pokemon, <laughs> and a little so saying Smash Brothers. See the Yoshi game they done? Is that the puzzle game that's kind of like the Tetris style one? Um, let me find out. Oh, oh that was on the the Game Boy, wasn't it? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Yoshi it was, was the Tetris style one. It was on the NES, and then you had Mario and Yoshi for the Game Boy. Uh-huh. Uh, was that them? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently ah. so. Oh well, <laughs> I did not know that. Today we all learned so... something. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there'll be a few listeners out there who didn't didn't really know about that. But in terms of Pokemon not really changing or, or going for a, a full scale Pokemon game, I feel as if the games have never really changed. Um, I know it's an easy thing to say, like people compare like the previous Call of Duties or what have you, and say, "Oh, nothing's changed, nothing's changed." Obviously, there are changes in there, but they're very minimal. And that that obviously leads us on to something which Charlotte really enjoys about the series, and that's the the wonderful world of Pokemonomy and Pokemon. feeding Pokemon Pokemon cakes <laughs> and and the Mega Evolutions yeah. as we've touched on as well. So Charlotte, if you want to sort of expand on that, well, my one of the things that I really love about the Pokemon series is that every single game that comes out, they always add like a new gimmick. So in uh, Ruby Sapphire. You had the Pokemon competitions. Now in Alpha and Omega, you've got Cosplay Pikachu, where you can go into the into the Pokemon competitions for Cosplay Pikachu. And then obviously in X and Y, they introduce like the whole um, Pokemonomy thing, um, the Super Training, and then the new GTS um, system, which is pretty funky. But I like the they obviously always add something new you've got pokemon bases um x and y you could customize your character you could buy a character clothes like what the hell so new um so yeah that's what i really like about pokemon it's just even though they seem like really minimal once you play so many pokemon games those small changes are massive 
it's not something I, I partake in, but I can appreciate it because it seems to be the type of thing that's typical of RPGs where they'll try and add little things in to sort of pad out the game. Uh, especially when you're saying things like, oh, I'm fed up of grinding, it's nice to just go and do something else in the game, you know? So well, Give your Pokemon a small kiss. I have, I have a fun thing to let you guys know if you didn't know already. Okay, What's if, you have, if you have a Pokemon like a Pikachu or a Charizard, for example, um, you can, like, <laughs> pat their heads and, like, you can rub their tummies and stuff with the stylus. If you rub a Pikachu's cheeks, you get electric shock. And if you rub a Charmander's tail, you get set on fire. But, yeah, you can, you, your, like, stylus, like, freezes and stuff. Like, I'm if, you sure play I remember. With, if you play with an ice Pokemon, you freeze. If you play with a fire Pokemon and touch them in the wrong place, you get set on fire. I'm sure I remember the touching the cheeks of Pikachu and getting electrocuted. I'm sure I remember that. I'm sure what happens if you touch you touch their cheeks. But there you go. It seemed like not a lot of people knew about it, and I thought it was really fun. I just remember finding it really strange feeding your Pokemon cakes. Brings you back to Wonderful. the whole cyber pet sort of you know scenario, doesn't it? That's what it is. Yeah, it's like like an advanced version of Nintendogs. Or maybe a stripped back version. <laughs> a stripped back version. <laughs> As if there was anything to strip back. <laughs> <laughs> right. To be fair, those games did. I mean, that Pokemon and me, I think I only ever used once. That was purely to evolve Eevee into Sylveon, because apparently that was the only way you could do it. It is the only way you can do it. You yeah. need to make sure that your Eevee has a fairy move and you get two hearts by playing with it and feeding it Pokepuffs and then it evolves into Sylveon. Yeah, I, I won that half hour back. Fun facts! But exactly. that game, it just I mean, it just throws up random things that it did. I mean, it's slightly away from sort of like an actual new game mechanic, but in X and Y, they brought in that new Pokemon at Inke. I don't know if you know. How do you know? Yes, the evolution. But do you know how to evolve yes. that, that Pokemon? Yeah, you, you can tell everyone. You have to level it up and turn the 3DS upside down. What? What? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. It's mental. <laughs> it's mental. It's the only, it's, that's how you do it. I was leveling it up for ages. Like, how the hell do I evolve this thing? I know, I know it's got an evolution because I've seen it. It's been revealed. And I was like... How would you do it? And then it wasn't until I did a bit of internet research and said, yeah, just level it up past, I think it's 27. And when you do so, turn the 3DS upside down. But just I at any point. so weird. No, obviously, you know, when you sort of level it up, turn it upside down. And yeah, then when it ha- gets to the have end. To, you have to, it has to ding 30 while the 3DS is upside down. To <laughs> level. Right, right. If it dings 30 and your 3DS isn't upside down, it's not going to level. Because I was levelling up my Inke into a Malamar while I was walking to work. So everyone was looking at me and I'm just like walking down the street, like turning my 3DS upside down, being like, why is this not evolving? We'll move swiftly on to our final point. Neil wishes to discuss how the games always seem marketed towards children when the highest percentage of players are over 18. It does my head in. To sum it up, um, I mean, if I take uh, an example, I know most of my examples have gone back to competitive play, but, you know, this game, I mean, first of all, at the age that we're all at, we're all over, like, what, 25, between 25 and 30. Could be flattering some people there. Um, (laughs) But, you know, we love this game. We're talking about it now. Obviously, it was out 25 years ago. Yet, when when Ruby Sapphire came out, the new ones, Alpha Ruby... Alpha Ruby, Alpha Sapphire, and uh, Omega <laughs> Ruby. Were they marketed at any of us? They weren't. They were marketed at the younger generation and everything like that. Yet, 
when I went to the national championships in Manchester last year, so for the video game, um, there were, I believe, 40 people that competed in the sort of naught to um, 12 age group. The 14 to 18 age group, there was about, about 90. For 18 plus, there was 690 people competing. That's, That's unbelievable. That's like a huge landslide. It's a massive landslide, a massive, yeah. absolute massive landslide. And it just doesn't make sense. And, you know, I went to, um, I say I went to, I helped um, our local game to a midnight launch for Pokemon. Um, and I granted, I know it's Pokemon. Some of the young people are going to be in, in sort of bed, but so many people turned up for it. Um, like students and everything like that. They're like, yeah, it's a new Pokemon game. I, I want to go and get it again, but it's not been marketed at any of us. You go to no. any game shop, you go into any, have you seen any adverts for it on the TV? No. On any primetime TV channels? Like you well, see it for Bloodborne, any... you'll see it for Call of Duty, but. Any that I have saw have starred like ten year old children at the very el- oldest, and they've always they, I don't know something mad will happen like a Pokemon will jump out their 3ds or something they'll be like wow you know it's, kidnap it, them or something yeah yeah <laughs> here's an afterthought though of a scale of one to ten how angry will you be if Nintendo make it that you have to buy an amiibo to unlock a certain Pokemon. I will It'd be cry. very costly because be that is a very costly. like children orientated thing to do. I think because they're jumping on the whole Skylanders bandwagon and you know the collectible bandwagon from there, and it's not necessarily something an adult's going to have any interest in. Not some adults might. Don't get me wrong, uh, might just want to pick up you know amiibos and stuff. But it seems to be more of a kid thing to do. You know. Yeah, I'd be kind of upset, but I feel like. I feel like if they were going to go down that route, then they should offer something else um, instead (laughs) of, like, the little toys. So, like, um, you know, with Kid Icarus, they had the cards. The cards? Yeah, they had the AR cards. They had, like, uh, AR cards, yeah, for Kid Icarus. They had it for Kingdom Hearts as well, didn't they, on the 3DS? Did they? I've I've not got that one. Yeah. Yeah, like, if if they had that and, like, introduced, like, a card replacement for like an amiibo so i didn't have to collect like a gazillion figurines then i'd be kind of cool with that yeah yeah, i think i think that would be good just to sort of you could even maybe mix up like the card game with the the actual video game itself i'm not sure exactly how that would work but search for um card amiibos on google not that i've just done this because i've I've looked at it before but they did announce um few months back that they were going to be looking at putting amiibos in card form so that is probably something that later down the line they that's will probably adapt why to it's in my head but the terrifying aspect of that though is what if they put a, a rare pokemon in a, a deck of pokemon cards and you have yeah, to find it in order get to get slapped. it i don't think yeah. what if is the question here i think it's when yeah when well that's one thing they're probably going to do both they're probably going to make the figures and do that if we're honest here, um, because there's too much revenue for them to make out of this. You know, lots of children's pocket money uh, funneling its way to Japan. It's just yeah, their right. ideal situation, you know, and, yeah. and yours, yeah. I think just I think just going back to the point Neil was making about who it's been targeted at, I think we've all seen that infamous meme where it's like, um, Call of Duty, it's aimed at 18-plus players, but actually its target market is, or its actual market that, that it finds is teenagers and really sort of under 10s. 
under 10 children, whereas Pokemon's targeted towards the under 10s or even early teenagers, but it's over 18s that are playing it, and I, I mean, obviously there's an infamous meme with that yeah, in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it just seems as if that everyone that's over 18 doesn't really care what anyone else thinks, whereas kids are so eager these days to be so grown up so quickly that they just want, they just forget about Pokemon or whatever once their, their friends or that start playing um, Call of Duty or they start going out or whatever, they start getting drunk or they start dressing differently or whatever. Probably because the kids these days see their parents playing Pokemon and think, that ain't cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Or is it more exactly. just, uh, it's quite depressing really, are we just looking for escapism whereas the teenagers and the kids are looking for, you know, real life? <laughs> what? My future kids are going to be looking at Pokemon the way I look at Greece to my dad, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> well, on the flip side, just... though, sorry, sorry, real quick. Well, on the flip side, <laughs> we were marketed to when we were kids, and we're like lifetime customers now. So why would they keep trying to con- convince us that we want Pokemon? Because they know we know we want it. So they're trying to get in the new kids, the new crowd, like that's, year after year. That's an extremely good point. Yeah, that is a very good point. Um, but I, I think. When we were younger, I mean, we had the movies, we had the TV show was on every single week, or probably more than that. We had the Pokemon cards. Now, granted, some of these things still exist, but to that degree that we were exposed to when we were younger, Absolutely it, just doesn't, it just doesn't exist in that same way anymore. Yeah, I was in the shop the other day because I wanted to find a uh, Pokemon figurine to add to my shelf. I'm just going to pretend I didn't say that. Um, (laughs) But I went into the store and I was like, if you go to a toy shop, they always have a Pokemon section because everyone loves whatever. Everyone likes Pokemon. You can pretend you don't like it, but we all know you do. But I went into the shop and there was basically nothing Pokemon. There was like a shelf. And I was like, what? So... Back in our day, Pokemon was everywhere, and now it's like being replaced by like Mario, yeah. Lego, and Skylanders, Lego, yeah. And I was got to say, yeah, Lego, Lego everywhere these days. Lego's everywhere. They've even got Super Mario Connects, Ooh. like Super Mario Land Connects. I'm gonna buy it. Mm-hmm. But that's like <laughs> what I was saying about when I was younger, when Pokemon was starting to go a little bit out of fashion again, and yeah. I was getting the Pokemon figures for a pound. Um, and it was Pikachu ones. And it, it, there were ones that would cost a lot of money usually. It wasn't as if it was the ones no one wanted. It was just that, I don't know, it just seemed to go a little bit out of fashion, even yeah, though it's I mean, managed it's to keep itself going different. all these years. Yeah. It's kind of sad, isn't it? It is. It is very. It is, I but then, the same, it, then, <laughs> then at the same time, we still play the games and we still enjoy them for what they are. I mean, the gamers just enjoy what they play. Um, and they, they shouldn't really be judged on it to be honest I think maybe when Phil was talking about the, those times where it was seen as sort of uncool or whatever um, maybe when we were at primary school or even high school people play Viva Piñata World of Warcraft or even games like Dag and Rompa I mean these are games games are games and they should be enjoyed as they are so intended to um, no matter what games you play you should be you should be proud to play what what you do I'm not saying that I have a regret playing Pokemon, of course I don't, because it's a fantastic experience, and it's one which I recently became an uncle, and it's definitely like Pokemon and my Wii U and everything like that is just so many childhood memories from, from for me from Nintendo, and it's definitely something I'll be looking to pass on to my, my, my family and my future family and what have you. 
So it's definitely something that obviously needs to be marketed at children, but it's sort of... I think we're still holding on to what we knew and loved in the late 90s. Obviously, you guys have played the games right the way through, whereas I'm sort of just newly back into the series. And even after, can I see that as well? Just how important these games are to so many people. Yeah, my friend, um, she's just a little bit older than I am, but she's massively into Pokemon as well. And her son is... I think he's like seven or eight and he's massively into it as well. So it's like a whole family bonding thing for them. So like, mom, do you have this Pokemon? Can you trade it to me? I'm so happy that you can still kind of pass on the interest because when I have kids, you're going to be playing Pokemon. <laughs> it's not going to be it's, it's, if you finished your, it's not going to be if you finished your homework. It'll be, have you caught that Pokemon yet? Have you, have uh, you got, oh. have you got your first gym badge yet? You're not allowed to go to bed until you've got your first gym badge. Mom, I want to go outside and climb you the tree. You get back in this house right I now. You're allowed to play football. You need to play Pokemon. But Mom, I want to, to be my home. That's basically going to be my life. Child, Neil, you're not allowed to Neil... play sports. Come back home and play video games. Right, so that's everything um, in terms of the pros and cons from the Pokemon series. So now we'll move on to the community correspondence and you can contact us and get in touch with the show on Twitter via the Twitter handle, which is at GCPod. So the first piece of feedback we had was relating to some of the listeners' favourite Pokemon. And the first response I had was from Mr. Gavin Spence, who is at GeshGav, who does the fantastic um, GeshCast podcast, which is definitely worth listening to. And he simply says, Gengar. Much like Neil said earlier, yep. what a Pokemon. So that's that's Gav's favourite. So thanks for that, Gav. Well, me being second comes down to a very good one because <laughs> Brett came in and his Twitter handle is at Brett Claxton. And he said, it was always about Charmander for me in terms of Pokemon. Just loved its design. You are the man, Brett. Mike Dixon at TestTube27 simply says... Bulbasaur. That's a great impression. That was actually. Role, by the way. And then I suppose next we've got a uh, uh, Chris Coleman um, at the phenomenal seat on Twitter who says simply Squirtle Squad for life. Yo, I, I said that with sunglasses on too. Next we have Barry Topping and his Twitter handle. I can't I can't quite make it out. I'll be honest. Non-stopping epoch. Couple right. of memories. Yeah. Shout out for that. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Barry's favorite Pokemon is Executor. That's because it's a classic Pokemon. Yeah, it looks a little bit broken in the head, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, quite, quite literally, actually, in one of its heads. Anyway. Um, and the next piece of favourite Pokemon we have is from Mr. Stuart Hour, who is at Minute5072, who has appeared on this podcast before, and he simply says, Holucha. Holucha is awesome. Yes. It I mean, is it's... pretty darn cool. Only Pokemon to have a dual type move as well. What's that? Um, high high flying press, which is yeah. both fighting and flying type, I believe. Pretty cool. And finally, is the person who I mentioned earlier on. Um, it's my my good friend Lee Maxwell, who is at twenty one Maxwell. Um, he's the main reason where I, why I'm basically got back into the Pokemon games in recent years. I think I was actually present with him when he bought a copy of Pokemon White from CEX because he'd been out of the game for a little while and that was the first game to get him back in and it's just went on from there. 
So he says, in terms of favourite Pokemon, Espeon for its moveset and pretty much been one of my main ones since I got back into the series. Other favourites include Magnezone, Hypno and Salamance. So thanks very much for that, Lee. Salamance is a good one. And then the next question which I posed on Twitter, which was, what is everyone's favourite entries into the Pokemon series? The first piece of uh, feedback comes from the We See in Pixels podcast, um, which is at We See in Pixels, which is much like the Gesh cast. It's very much worth listening to. I'm not just saying this to sort of promote everyone else's podcast, but if they're going to interact with us, we'll interact with them. (laughs) And they say the best game has to be the Pokemon Silver or Gold, hands down, the definitive version. Well, Mike Dixon has uh, responded again, who's at TestTube27, and he says, Pokemon Blue. I think I completed it and restarted it four times in primary school, well, bizarre for life. Just gone to Jamie Luckett, JimJam707 on Twitter, says, Mystery Dungeon Explorers of Sky is my favourite spin-off. Lots of depth and difficulty. I don't actually know that one. I don't... It's a DS one, isn't it? Is it the 3DS one? No, Explorers of Sky is just DS. 2009 it came out. I had no idea that existed. I didn't even know that was a game. Dead retro. I played, I played Pokemon Mystery Dungeon one, and you have to do like a little quiz at the start, and it gives you a Pokemon, and I got Charmander. <laughs> it was meant to be, because really that's the first one. Like, Char- me and Charmander are meant to be. Okay, so Cakeland, um, or at... Walton Italics. Yeah, that's right. Um, says yellow for the joy of red and blue with the added Team Rocket, Jesse and James. Uh, David, whose Twitter handle is at Cyan Corford, said that his favourite is Pokemon Gold and Silver for the win. And Gold and Silver seems pretty, pretty popular this time. To be fair, um, I think it's my favourite as well. But Yeah, same. Um, yeah. I, I was a big fan of the the remakes on the DS, but I think Golden Seal was probably the one of the best sequels to any games, I think. That's a bold mm-hmm. statement. But definitely. The way the fact that you just end the game by playing your character from the first game, basically, is just mental. And once again we hear from my good friend um Lee Maxwell, who's at twenty one Maxwell, who says Golden Silver for me. The fact we had two worlds in the game gave it that extra playability. Yeah, and we've never seen it again since then. And finally, we've got Katie. Katie. Yeah, Katie Stubbs, who is at Katie with three E's, 120. Uh, Stadium was a game that I remembered so well from my childhood. It's not, it's, I know I said beforehand, but we're going to sort of touch on maybe some of the other games, but I think there's so much to talk about in regards to the traditional Pokemon games that Maybe maybe we could save it for another show um, based on Pokemon where we maybe talk about them if enough of us can get access to them. It's definitely a possibility, but uh, unfortunately it's maybe in the larger scale of things that we've only been able to focus on the sort of traditional RPG um, Pokemon games. So thanks very much everyone for your correspondence and thanks very much to Charlotte, Neil, Will and Philip for joining me on this episode. Now, basically, this is the part of the show where you can plug whatever you're doing, um, whatever you've got coming up, where people can contact you. Um, So, in the order of the show, we'll start with Charlotte, please. Yeah, so I'm basically starting up my streaming and my YouTube channels again, so you can just catch me at PixelShark on everything, and that's Shark with a C. 
H A R K, and I'll be on Twitter all the time. So just follow me there, and you'll find whatever I'm doing. Excellent, thanks very much. And next we'll go to Will. You can just find me on Twitter, pretty much at the Quiff is dead. Uh, tweet me if you get that reference, and I'll give you a favourite. That's how kind I am. I was actually going to say that, Will, because I remember you said that on the last show you were on. Um, <laughs> if someone got the reference, but obviously I don't think anyone did, did they? Probably not. It's a, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a Smiths reference, a band from the eighties. I see. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, next, we'll go to Neil. Yep. So um, you can find me on Twitter at Mr Neilio, but more importantly, um, you can find me on the Street Pass UK podcast, um, which has just taken a quick, um, short hiatus. Um, but as well, so the, the big thing to do is to, if you're into 3DS gaming and Wii U gaming with others in a in a real place in real life, then go to the Street Pass UK uk website and you'll find a local group that is very close to you there in every pretty much every major city um with constant events on all supported by nintendo as well perfect neil thanks for that and finally phil um you can find me at my youtube channel which is thumbs fight wars basically i've not put a lot on it yet but i'm aiming to do some sort of Retro reviews and some accessory reviews and some kind of just weird gaming artifacts, um, as, lo- as well as some gameplay videos. And I'm always open to projects, so anyone who wants to sort of motivate me or even just help me along would be brilliant, and I'd really appreciate it. You can also kind of get in touch with me at my Twitter, which is at I am Philly with one L. And uh, yeah, just any sort of love you want to send my way, please do. I appreciate it. Thanks. Perfect. So thanks very much, everyone. All that's really left for me to do is thank you all for tuning in to the Game Collection podcast. Um, Our next episode looks at Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. So hopefully we'll be reaching out to some of our listeners and maybe some people of the gaming community to sort of play a 4v4 match maybe or sort of a lot of multiplayer because that game is obviously heavily focused on that. So until next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Charlotte. Bye. It's goodbye from Will. Goodbye. Goodbye from Neil. See you later. It's goodbye from Phil. Bye. So thank you all very much for listening. I'll speak to you all again real soon. Bye-bye. Bye.